everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Min Max Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better and waving profusely. I'm joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hello. Kelsey Lewin. Hi. Jacob Geller. Moderate wealth. <laughs> and can you imagine if we had a fifth first person on this podcast, just a fantastic individual guesting? How cool would that be, Kyle? It'd be the coolest thing ever. I period. think it'd be cool to hear from a voice, a voice that I've listened to a lot on podcasts. Michael Huber from Easy Allies. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Huber, it's an honor to have you here, man. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Yeah. Uh, big thing. Well, there's a lot we could talk about on this podcast, and we're going to unpack it all. Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, we're talking about. Last of Us Part 2, Remaster, we're going to talk about. And when I think of those two games, I think Huber. And then we're also going to be talking about Pal World, which maybe I will learn to think of Huber associated with Pal World. We'll see. Uh, and then some great community questions in the back half of this whole show. Um, but Huber, first Yo. things first, this feels like... <laughs> an offensive way to state it but i Uh see so many people online being like oh huber's a cohort huber's joining min max like no 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 huber's a guest (laughs) on this podcast lovely to have him as a guest and just to be very clear you're hosting trivia tower for the next three months yeah very exciting yeah yeah thank you so much for for jumping in i mean to take you behind the scenes a little bit um i talked to huber about this but like Trivia Tower, we've been doing it for three years. It's a blast to do where if you don't know, if you support MinMax on Patreon at any tier, even the $2 tier, uh, you can jump in and compete for prizes. This month, Huber, I guess you don't even know this. I was going to relay it to you. But uh, you can get a code for Prince of Persia, Lost Crown, by competing and knowing a thing or two about game trivia. Or Venba, one of our favorite games from last year. uh, And a ton of other codes that are are jumbled in there as well. Um, Ghost Runner 2 is in there. Um, nice. but it's been going for three years and I was kind of at a point of like, I either need a break or maybe we just kind of sunset this and make it not a monthly thing anymore. And then Huber, you sent out a tweet be like, Hey, does anybody know of any like part-time hosting things? Like, Oh my God, Huber and Trivia Towers and Patrick didn't have it. That's perfect. So really it's uh, largely because of your tweet and then everybody tagging us in that tweet. So shout out to the community for really being the nice. ones to connect these dots. Um, how are you feeling about the prep for Trivia Tower happening on Monday? Good. Uh, the first, it's the first one. So the prep is like. You know, I'm not like used to the the prep and the rhythm of it all. Yeah. Uh, but I've got like pretty much everything laid out. So now I just got to like, you know, plug everything in basically. Yeah. It's it's a fun process. I don't know if you've hit this moment, but always coming up with all the questions for Trivia Tower, it reaches a it point is. where I'm literally just looking at the ceiling being like, what game did I play about 10 years ago <laughs> that I have some reference for? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Assassin's I was getting Creed. out like my hard copies of stuff. Like, should I do one on this game? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, you're, you're scrambling just to find something. But just mm-hmm. to be clear, if people want to compete in Michael Huber's first Trivia Tower ever, they can jump in at patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Even at that $2 tier, it's happening Monday, January 29th at 7 p.m. Central. It happens in MinMax's Discord, which you can access to and you support us on Patreon. If you have any questions about how that whole thing works, let us know. But Huber, uh, don't reveal any of the answers, but do you want to reveal who the co-host is for the first episode of Michael Huber's Trivia Tower? A person named Kyle Bossman. There we go. The man who invented the charades category for Trivia Tower. So blame him. About halfway through that reveal, by the way, I was like, am I? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I was also thinking the same thing. Like, I don't think I've ever committed to Surprise! that. Surprise! did ho- co-host like an early episode. That was really fun. That was I'd do it again. It was fun. Okay. Yeah, if you ever needed humor, there's guests all around. It's a way to like compete without actually competing because I can't, you know, actually answer or win anything. But then I can just feel like, okay, how, how would I have done like, with no I pressure? had that when someone answers it oh, in yeah, I totally, five seconds. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally but Kelsey, to be fair, you're the wrong person to be saying that type of stuff because when we did Trivia Tower All Stars, the first one, I think you were competing in it, and I think you were in the final five, Kelsey. Like you were I was in the final. Yeah, you were yeah. freaking crushing when you were in there with everybody. I, so it felt. I gotta say though, it felt miraculous because I, the <laughs> one that I barely scraped into was the first round. Like the first round was the one I think that I struggled with the most to scrape by, and then after that, I think yeah, it it came a little more naturally, but yeah. Um, I, I can't remember what the last question was, but it was some game I had absolutely never played and would have not. You could have. It was like a screenshot zoom in thing, I think. Yeah. And it was like you could have given me everything and I would have never gotten this. <laughs> uh, but don't let that be the lesson for you watching, because if you're watching and listening, you can win this. You just need to know a couple things about video games, really, to get out of that first floor. You just need to know one thing about one game and it just mm-hmm. happens to be the one. And then you can make your way out of that death zone and into the, the yeah. sweet Elysium known as second floor and third floor and fourth floor and fifth floor. Don't uh, miss your moment on that first round. Don't miss it, everybody. So yeah, tune in. It's going to be live on MinMax's YouTube channel. Again, jump in and compete. Help support independent games media at the same time so we can afford to bring on folks like Hubert to, to host Trivia Tower. So thanks to everybody for keeping that, what did um, Jim Ryan call it? The virtuous cycle alive. Uh, it's definitely appreciated. Uh, this is a weird week for games. I don't know if anybody else had this experience. I understand I maybe did more than most people because for reasons I can't get into quite yet, but Huber and I can maybe talk about in the future. We've been thinking a lot about Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, recently. And then also this week, we have the sequel to uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon and we have Last of Us Part Two in again. Like it feels like 2020 Part Two. Like it's just a complete shift of the year and the mindset for just a lot of old memories. Also, it's an election back. year and oh you my, know, yes. lots of things happen. Absolutely. Everything comes back. Yeah. Uh, but Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth. Uh, I've been playing a decent bit of it. Kyle's played a little bit more than me. Huber, how much have you played of this thing? Uh, probably like a third of it, I'd say. Okay, nice. And then Kelsey yeah. is a champion and she's nearing the final third. I'm, I'm 50 hours in. I have spent a lot of time on side quests and uh, mini games and that sort of thing. I think Jacob is further than me. I don't know if he has more. Do you have more hours than me, too? No, that's actually that's interesting. <laughs> I think I'm at like 46 hours and I am halfway through the finale i think uh i'm i'm like i'm at i'm at a point of no return where i could finish it and yeah. instead i'm wrapping up a bunch of side quests <sighs> okay let's see uh, most informed jacob uh, how do you feel about it big thumbs up big thumbs up hell yeah we did it yeah it's um <laughs> we did it's it. great I, I it is it is impossible for me to imagine uh you enjoying yakuza 7 like a dragon um and not liking this game mm-hmm. i think it is it is one i i my my like early take on twitter was like i think this is one of the funniest games ever made like truly just from a writing standpoint there is so much writing in it and so much of it is really really funny in like consistently surprising ways um and then it's also got that great Yakuza like melodrama and the combat is really fun. You know, it's like if yeah. you start thinking about the story for more than 30 seconds, things 
kind of start to not work in like a soap opera y way, but like I don't care, you know, because the characters are solid and that's what matters. And it's like the same level of story quality as Yakuza Like a Dragon, which I loved a lot. I mean, maybe I wasn't thinking about it as hard as a Jacob Geller type or something. I maybe even a little more disjointed there are just there are things that happen in this game that seem really big and then no one ever references them again like consistently (laughs) that happens but like again these are they're just they're games about characters you know and so like if if you want to poke plot holes you can but you're missing the point of like what you're here for right i mean it's it's also a game where the protagonist is in another country but manages to run into every one from his life in the last <laughs> for some reason or another and it's like i'm totally fine with that it's a to- it's it doesn't bother me one iota yeah. that it's like oh you're here in hawaii too you're here in hawaii too <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah if you sure. did a lot of side quests in seven mm-hmm. you will be reintroduced to basically all of those characters again despite the fact that you are in hawaii and they ostensibly are also from japan so <laughs> everyone's on vacation at the same time <laughs> Why not? Like, it's a, it's a more fun yeah, way to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that is my big takeaway too, Jacob. It's just like, I, you know, I've had a weird relationship with Yakuza where I dabbled in it before with like zero and six and then seven, Yakuza Like a Dragon was the first one that really clicked with me and I absolutely loved it. And since then, I was like, should I try Ishin? I dabbled a little bit and then uh, the man who erased his name, Gaiden, like I, I have that downloaded as well, but I didn't start it. I'm like, I think I'm going to hold out for quote unquote eight, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth here. And a part of me feels really thankful that I did just because jumping into this, I am so excited. Like, I am so excited to jump back into a Like a Dragon game. Like, it feels like peak excitement, like seeing Ichiban again. Like, I know he's in a big part of those other two games, but still just seeing him again, it's just like, oh my God, my old friend. It's been four years since I've seen you. And just like, they nail his character so well, even in like the early phase of this game before you go to Hawaii, which obviously is the big hook. It just makes you fall in love with this dude and all of your friends again before the real big adventure starts. But Hubert, I know, I'm trying to remember, it, it seemed like you were a little bit, even though you like Like a Dragon, you're a little bit burned out just by how many have been happening and coming out recently. But how are you feeling with this one now? This, like like a Dragon uh, Gaiden, yeah. like really started to bring me back because I was feeling the fatigue because I've been on this train for so long and it was like three of those games in a one-year period it was like Ishin, like Dragon Gaiden and then now the, now Infinite Wealth so it's like yo this is a lot of this is a lot of Yakuza <laughs> yeah. uh, but this game has blown me away not even just like how good of a Yakuza game it is but like how good of a JRPG it is yeah it's like absolutely insanely balanced like the combat is like really thoughtful and really like really measured out for the whole way like i i for the longest time i didn't feel over leveled the economy was really nice like i I needed money for like a really long time just all the side quests all the things you can get invested in like it feels just like such a better jrpg than seven did yeah well, i think they really like perfected that part of it yeah i'm so curious yeah about i that. think the balance in it in the sort of like everything you do feels worthwhile and affects mm-hmm. something else in a way that feels worthwhile is it's fantastic i mean it really it makes you want to do a lot of the you know kind of side content or even mini game stuff that uh that it throws at you because it's not just like 
I'm going to think this is fun, although basically all of the mini games are freaking awesome in this game um, or side content and stuff. Um, but it also like affects other parts. So, like even if all you care about is the combat and getting through the story, it like is still worthwhile to do that stuff because it circles back and affects other things. Yeah. And that's the thing about uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which I love so much. But even when pitching it to like, you know, my friends that love JRPGs, it's like it's an awesome, awesome, awesome game. Uh, I was like, I mean, it's as an RPG, it's a little uneven. Like there, there were some weird difficulty spikes in that one that I haven't Always. encountered yet in this one. I'm it's curious. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just it would come out of left field. Like, OK, why is this one taking me three hours to get past this battle? <laughs> but Infinite Wealth, like everybody else agrees, just as an RPG, it feels much smoother. Yeah, I I like grinding in these games. And so there might be parts there are definitely bosses where you're like oh boy this is a this is a big one okay i never had to like do more than i wanted this game kind of like the previous one just has like a dungeon that you can just go in and do (laughs) and i think it's really i you know it is a credit to the game that like i just think the basic combat in this game is so fun that i am really happy to do those dungeons you know like it doesn't it doesn't feel like a chore because you are so consistently unlocking like new abilities for new character classes and finding out different ways that you can work together and like they really they they pace out those unlocks so frequently that like you know grinding for 30 minutes will get you like really really noticeable improvement and it's fun the whole time because like the combat is interesting and good and if you're doing the dungeons to do that grinding, you're also like earning other things yeah. that again, like, you know, like every part of it just feeds into each other. So even if you just want to do, I've done like the first third of, there's a couple dungeons in the game. I've done like the first third of both of them and uh, like wanted to do that. The The story encourages you to do a little bit of, I think maybe even makes you do a tiny bit of both of them. Yeah. But um, it's, yeah, I was just like, well, I'm just, I'm just going to, finish this because i'm having a good time and basically if you do that i mean i i haven't had to grind unless you count doing the dungeon that i wanted to do anyways as grinding right yeah it's like and then you (laughs) you get out you have so much more money you can go and buy things you've deepened your bond with all the characters and so you can go to a bar and have a drink with them (laughs) and have these like awesome little conversations and then when you have a drink with them now the characters like they do more knockback and they'll they'll like attack downed enemies more and so like your personal relationship with them is affecting like their utility in combat it it rules it's so it is one of those like just one more thing games because everything that you're doing is going to feed back into like now that I've got the drink link with them, I can do even more. And then I can go back to that dungeon because our bond is strengthened. Like it just it all feeds back into itself. Yeah. I mean, Hebrew with your love of bonds, like that is the thing that really killed me, even out of like the opening of this game is like going back to the survive bar with yeah. your best buddies from the last game. And I don't want to spoil it, but like just there's an early quote unquote mission or like quest that is just one of the most clever ways to like reintroduce all of the characters I've seen in the game in a long mm-hmm. time. It's like where you're making some choices between the different characters, that type of thing. It's like, this is a oh, yeah. great, yeah. just compact summary of what you need to know from the last game. That's the, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I think there's gonna be a lot of people, maybe they forgot, you know, like maybe they never played it before, but I think the game does a really good job of there's not like a big recap video in the opening. But as far as I can tell, they just kind of like trickle in what you need to know as you're playing the game. Like if they're going to be referencing a character, they'll like 
they'll have a little aside. You'd be like, hey, do you want to yeah. learn about like a little Master? image of them from a past game? They do right. really well. Yeah, or like I, Ichiban, Ichiban will be like, so wait. Let me go over this again. And he'll be like, okay, this is happening. This is happening. Yeah. Like this happened because of this. So they so do a really I, good job of explaining it. I didn't I didn't play seven, but I watched oh. my wife play a good bit of it. So like I, I'm at least somewhat familiar with the characters. And I, I haven't felt lost. Like the closest thing to a recap is in the beginning, Ichiban almost literally asks the player, like, do you want me to explain who these two men are? <laughs> right, and I'm looking right. at, which I appreciate it. But the thing that consistently cracks me up is often Ichiban will run into a character and, and and he will be like, oh, I know you. And then it'll show the character and then it will cut to a sepia photo of the character yeah. and then cut back. And it's like, you're just showing me the same person. It does not <laughs> like give no me context. any context uh, for what's going on here. But like you're saying, Michael, like, Ichiban then kind of explains at least yeah. enough. Like he doesn't go over, like he doesn't go overboard with recap, but like, I, I really feel like I have a good handle on, on what's happening for the most I, part. I even like that sometimes Ichimon is like, wait, who are you again? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah, even he's what? forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's such a sweetie that like nobody <laughs> minds. Like it is Ichimon, he just he feels just like Jesus, like running around in this game. He's just especially in the beginning, he's just like a, a superhero in his neighborhood. And have everyone just like wave, like, oh Ichimon, we love you guys. Like it is so uplifting to have this character who is just that hell bent on being good and doing good despite everything. And like, he will look out for every single person he comes across. But then if there's some shady looking person that attacks him, uh, then he'll beat the crap out of that homeless person. But every other homeless person he will like care deeply for. It's just the and best character. Uh, throughout the story, there are so many scenes where people are like, no, you can't be this good of a guy. Like, are you <laughs> right. actually going to do that? And he's like, yes, I am. And it always, it stays good, you know? And it's, it is really like, I think the the part of this game, if we're talking about kind of previous Yakuza knowledge, mm -hmm. um, there's a bunch of curious stuff in this game. And a lot of that is very past looking. It is there is a lot of kind of like thinking about stuff that Kiryu's done in other games. Yeah. And a lot of that, as someone who has not played zero through six is not necessary. It's not confusing, but it's not like landing with me necessarily. Yeah. Um, oh, that's interesting because I actually kind of disagree. But I've I've played a couple of those in there. I have not played zero through six, but I actually thought it's been. I, I thought it was handled pretty well the way they reintroduced no, I, stuff. I mean, I agree, and I think I think it's like it is a testament to the game that like the emotional beats still they still they still are there, and you can like. I'm not confused to why Kiryu is feeling a certain way, but it's almost like the game is divided into two halves. And one of them is like, think about the whole past of what you've gone through. And then part of it with with Ichiban is like, hey, I'm the future. I'm so nice. You know, and like the game <laughs> basically makes that textual uh, in a in a really interesting way. Is is it like a matter of like those Kiryu scenes? You're kind of like, oh, I bet that would have hit harder if I knew what if I had more context, but yeah, I'm not confused. Yeah, there's, I don't want to get too spoilery because a lot of this is later game stuff. Um, there's definitely some scenes where, yes, I think it would hit harder if like, you know, there's stuff that's clearly from like five and I didn't play five or what, you know what I mean? Like, okay. there's, and it's like, well, if I had, you know, if I had known this character a little bit better, I think that would have hit harder. But there's also a lot of things that are um, very small vignettes that, 
I don't think, like, I'm sure to someone who's played all of those, they're like, it is hitting a little harder for them, but it's not really meant to be a super emotional gut punch. It's just meant to, I think this game is like the most beautiful funeral for Kiryu that I've ever seen. Like, just in terms of like, we are actually, you know, they've they've killed this character before. They've said goodbye to him. And I feel like this is the actual, like for the player, uh, the correct and to be clear none of us have beat the game so we don't actually know what <laughs> right. happens that's true to that's him. true <laughs> that's true you mean funerals uh, oh yeah i said yeah. funeral i did not mean to imply he's dead he's yeah um i don't know <laughs> i don't know if that's how the game ends or not um but it is just a really yeah it's a beautiful just kind of like reflection of everything that kiryu has been through and you've been through with him uh and even if you haven't been there with him every step of the way i i think it's still handled in a really like you know i'm appreciating all those moments that even i wasn't there for it's been really epic like it's hitting me really hard because there's like some story beats that have like there's some things like in my real life that are also happening in the game some like tragic stuff so it's just like all these emotions are like swirling around and it's it's definitely a bittersweet like it's like you were saying how funny it was it absolutely is like a funny yeah. lighthearted jolly game it's got it all uh you know melodrama but it's also like really melancholic and like bittersweet a lot of the time which i really love that's the weirdest thing too is like getting into this series so late i know everybody always said that but i'm like i don't understand how they can manage that tone and Somehow playing these games now, like, it just works. Like, it is the funniest mm-hmm. damn thing. And then somehow all of the drama hits me so hard. And I feel like... The side quests are always super funny. That's where yeah. a lot of the comedy well, is put even, in, for sure. And the main story, of course. But and No, but <laughs> even then, with the side quest, it will, like, start with... Like, there's a side quest that starts with you walking up and you see a man buy, like, ice cream. And he throws it up into the air and it lands on his head. And then by the I end cried. of that quest, it is, like, the most emotional <laughs> resonant thing. I'm not joking. I literally cried at the end of that story. <laughs> that's so good and i always also it's like i i crack up every time where they have this musical cue that's like da na 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 the classic sad theme you know? it's like all right here we go where it's like okay this is you know this is the story about the guy who always wanted to hit the baseball but his father never <laughs> never let him have baseballs and then at the end he's like you know this really makes you think a lot about life and it like plays that song and it like it always works it's both funny and legitimately like emotionally compelling at the same time kyle what's it like for you to jump into this thing i mean never having actually played a turn-based yakuza before well yeah it's funny i mean a lot of the things that like i have said about or will say about this game in a positive way are things i think everyone was saying about seven yeah you know, um, I'm just kind of like late to the party to a certain degree. And like I played Gaiden like with the explicit purpose of like, let me t- play this shorter game to get an idea of who Akiryu is. So I can so I can at least have him in my pocket to go into to eight. And one of my takeaways from that game was like, I think I did not really like the combat. Like I, it was like an mm-hmm. aspect of the game I, I, I didn't like. And it was like the first combat encounter in this game i was like oh my god i i i completely understand why they switched to this it's so much faster and so much more fun okay that it, yeah. it was just like 
I think I, when they first very first announced that seven was switching to RPG, I think everyone was kind of surprised by that. I mean, I wasn't really like following the series too closely, but I was just kind of like, oh, that's odd. That's like a weird thing to do. But it took it takes like five minutes. And I'm like, yes, I absolutely prefer this. Yeah. Fights go faster. They're flashier. They're more interesting. They're funnier because all the characters are so goofy and weird and all the like enemies you encounter. It's just it's those I, damn flashers yeah. <laughs> or the, the the guys, the early guys in the uh, in the sleeping bags are the ones that stand that up. are like the cobras. Yeah. <laughs> oh, squirrel. Yeah, I, it's so funny because like a lot when it comes to RPGs in general, most of my life, like I'm I there are a handful of RPGs that really I, I, I attach to and I love. But for the most part, honestly, like I, I, I just get sort of annoyed with how long combat takes. And so, like, the yeah. fact that it's it's weirdly faster than the action combat of of guiding, which is my only point of reference to, like, get in a fight and have a good time and get out. I, it's such it, it executes on that so much better. And it is kind of weird in this one, too, that they're like, it's still turn based, but it's definitely inching up the action a little bit. <laughs> so it's weird to be like, we're going turn based. But this one's like, well, it's turn based, but like you can walk around in like a small little radius. We'll give you a little bit so you can still pick up some items from the environment and have a little bit more action no, feel to the turn-based it, stuff it's good it's like they're basically turning it into into the breach because now like a huge part of the combat is like you're gonna knock this guy into your friend and yeah your friend you is go gonna bowling. kick him and it's like yeah it's just that little bit of extra interest to where it's like it's not it's not like enormously more tactical but it's just like you get to think about one other thing in combat in a really satisfying way is it so that's all new for eight knocking people into other because that seems like uh, such a positioning to no, do was, it. I think like that coincidentally was in seven, but you couldn't like set yourself up oh, for yeah. it as okay. much. Like it was more like you you'd have to think more like three steps ahead and be like, I want to attack this guy. So I end up over here so that I can then. Okay. Whereas yeah. now you can just kind of walk around. Could you do the time button pressing to defend in seven? Yes. Yeah. OK, because that's that's like key to my heart. Like if you have time Love button that. pressing in your in your RPG combat, like like Sea of Stars last year, you yeah. know, like I, 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 it really just keeps me more interested overall. I've also hit a point now, which again, could totally be something in seven, I'm sure, where really low level enemies, I can just instantly like end the fight for like a, I, I don't get quite as much experience, which is another one of those RPG things that I just loved. Like you hit a point in Earthbound where if you go back to the starting town, and you touch an enemy, it just instantly ends, but you get the experience. Yeah. And that's like another one of those little things that will make me really love an RPG and like a dragon has it. Yeah, there are some like little quality of life things <clears throat> they've improved. I don't think this was in seven, but it's been a number of years. But like, it's so nice to be able on the map to hover over a shop and you can like hit square and it'll show you like the recommended items in that shop. Oh man. Which is, I figured that. that out like 40 hours in. Oh so. no. Oh no. There's a lot to digest in the beginning. <laughs> I get it. But then also the nice thing too is like you can basically, it'll still cost you money. Like you're using a taxi to fast travel, but you don't have to get to the taxi to do it, which I think is new this time around. You can just kind of jump okay. right to stuff and it's like, oh, it'll cost you 1200 yen or whatever it is. You could use happen. your phone, I know, in, in Gaiden like that. Like you can use yeah. your phone and just like okay. travel like straight to a spot. So gotcha. Like and have, have you gone to Hawaii yet? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just starting okay. to explore Hawaii, which... Because you, you said yen. 
Right. Uh, yeah. Which that's... is another weird little touch that I loved is that yes. when you land in Hawaii, it's like, by the way, we got to convert to American currency. Now I'm like, oh, weird. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I totally get why they did one dollar equals a hundred yen, yeah, but that I, is uh... not even close to the exchange. <laughs> right now. It's like a dollar is like one hundred and forty two. yen. The <laughs> only way I want this to be a living game is if they keep the conversion rate up on a daily basis and like adjust it. I think that'd be a fascinating way to catch in the conversion. Yeah. Rate. I think people like hardcore fans of this stuff would be into it, but I'm totally with you. Where it's like, that struck me in such a big way of like, all right, you're building up uh, everything in Japan. Then you're going to Hawaii. It's the big hook here. Um, and they convert your money. And okay, the language stuff I want to get into as well, because I think that's fascinating. Yeah, but I they, know. I really want to talk about They convert your money. Thoughts. And I was like, God, I, I can't think of another RPG that's had you go to a different country and convert your money. like this. But I guess there's so few like real world RPGs. That that's kind of what makes like a dragon special at this point is it is kind of going back to that earthbound roots i guess you know of just like ah, it's not a fantastical world but it's just something oh, that God. for somebody who's been playing I, rpgs sorry, you, the earthbound relationship between these two games even though i just referenced earthbound it's there like i now i'm like connecting those dots i'm like oh wait that's why i like like a dragon <laughs> yeah that's why we're all really excited about this series yeah freaking rules but okay the language thing i'm curious to see where everybody's at because yeah because i like playing these in japanese and then it's yeah, the we are at the thinking person. Please, please <laughs> hold your applause, everybody. Um, but then it's so wild. Then when you go to Hawaii, and it's like okay, now NPCs are speaking in English. But the part now, bear with me. The part that breaks my brain is there are moments. Then and I'm curious where you all are at, where Japanese characters are speaking in English in Hawaii. Because they're like, oh, actually, um, I grew up in Hawaii, so I speak perfect, fluent English. But because it's the Japanese VO, the English isn't exactly perfect. So it's just this bizarre, fun disconnect. You know what I mean? Where like a character will be like, I grew up in Hawaii, so my English is great. But it's like, because you're on the Japanese track, it's a Japanese voice actor trying to speak in perfect English instead of them just jumping to a perfect English speaker. And it's like, I can't, my mind can't wrap the layers that are happening here for what's in the game versus not. It gets worse than that because there are some characters that like like aren't Japanese that they did not use an English speaking voice actor for clearly. Um I just watched a cutscene last night where a white guy said that he was very plowed and I was like you guys right <laughs> it's it's really like, it's really weird and it's like I, you know I I don't I don't know quite what the right word for it is because I don't hate it, but it it's like it is there. There are multiple characters who have say like say like I've never been to Japan right. and they speak Japanese perfectly and they speak English like they are reading it phonetically. Yes. You know, yep. that I like I, I genuinely think that's what what is happening. And what's I guess my my real disappointment with the game, which I Hope, hopefully I've communicated, I love, is, like, Hawaii does not feel really like another country. You know, I and and I think most of that is the language thing, where, like, every, every side quest that you enter, every, like, random interaction, you know, it's like taxi drivers will, will speak English in their kind of, like, ambient dialogue when they're picking you up. But, like, there will be, like, police officers racistly talking about Japan in perfect Japanese, you know, and it it really, it's like outside of the first 30 minutes that you're in Hawaii, there is like not a single real acknowledgement of like 
there's a language barrier here, and I almost wish they they would have made up some like here's an earbud and it lets you understand <laughs> That's English what I they were or something. Do. Yeah. yeah, they definitely hide a lot of it too because there's so many moments where there's no VO. So it's like character, just just text, just text going on. So yeah. it's like you don't even think about it for a while. And then then it'll have just like some weird moment where it's like, wait, this person is like speaking perfect Japanese. Like, I don't understand this. Yeah, yeah from it's... the first few minutes here in Hawaii, the implication is that you have someone translating for you because mm-hmm. you do not speak English. And then they just drop that completely. Yeah. And I guess, you know, the implication is like that keeps happening, but we're just not going to like force you to you know watch that over and over again and like that's that's fine but i do just think it is baffling to then not use like you are you're paying for english voice actors why not just use english voice actors for the people that are speaking english i don't like strange choice to me (laughs) and i and i think here's the even weirder thing it happens sometimes like there's a um there's a character who's voiced by um who's 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 the machete guy who's Danny like Danny Trejo Danny Trejo Danny Trejo is is in this game like huh. he's a character in this game Is he who I think he is? I'm he's the one who looks yeah. like Danny Trejo. White, right? Yes. Um and his character when he speaks English it is Danny Trejo and when he speaks Japanese I assume it's not, unless Danny Trejo is really good at speaking. <laughs> That'd be cool. Make him read it phonetically. <laughs> but but there are other. I and and uh, my friend Blake, who works for Game Informer and is writing about this game, I think looked it up. I think several characters, including uh, Tomizawa, who's one of the main characters, and um, Kelsey, the one that you were referring to. I think they're like Japanese celebrities, or at least like pretty big stars in Japan, and so they might even have something contractual about like it's got to be their voice the whole time or something because like sometimes they do switch and then sometimes they don't and it's like it's just really weird <laughs> but i think interesting. that's interesting worth okay. it for like i have make- to look into that because that's that's wild yeah. it's it's such a weird it's so jarring every time it happens like i I I stood up last night when, you know, like the the not great accent is fine. Um, But yeah, like you said, it's they're they're reading it phonetically sometimes. And it's just like this is this is jarring. There's (laughs) so many games where you like learn languages in the game. You know, you'll get little things to like unlock, you know, your language proficiency. I wonder if they like thought about doing that or yeah a chance there's so many many games diversions in this game i wouldn't have been surprised but right right yeah how i would love for ichiban in four days to have just been like yep mastered english we got this (laughs) and they totally could have gone away with that narratively (laughs) just Just have him be really excited in the morning like i was reading english books all night now i get it like it would totally work within that character i don't think we'd bat an eye he'd be like these books are great it's like yeah all right cool ichiban you got it like i do think something that this game is really good at which these games are usually good at but they're usually set in japan is like there is a lot of very hawaiian specific stuff that i think is really cool you know there's like there's a lot of ambient dialogue about stuff that is really consistently funny and you should read all of it um you know there's the food has like a huge kind of like there's so many restaurants and you can go and order different foods and whatever and like in the kind of yakuza takes on a societal issue thing that they they all do it's like there's a lot of writing about how like hawaii has the largest homeless population in the u.s and like it you know it seems like people are almost shipped here and left because hawaii is like 
you know, different from the continental U.S. And it's like really thoughtful, interesting stuff that is like clearly there's a lot of research put into like what's going on in Hawaii. And it just makes me wish that they did a little more like Ichiban is experiencing a new culture stuff because he just gets he gets with it so fast in the game story yeah it's actually really crazy because i was just there over the holidays for vacation and i like recognized some spots it was like true crime streets of la back in the day i was like wait a <laughs> second like, LA Noir. i was like wait a second i was right here like yep. this is this is it felt really accurate so i was like pretty yeah. blown away i'm no hawaiian expert but i was like dude My, i was like uh... right on this street my big thing uh, from visiting Hawaii a few years ago was there are ABC stores yeah. in the game, which I wonder, I don't know if they licensed the actual store in Hawaii or if it's, they, they you can use ABC because it's oh, just I, so vague. I assume I so, because I mean, they've got like Mountain Dew in the game. They've got, yeah. all of the Japanese drinks are like real Japanese drinks, like the the Boss Coffee and Suntory and all of yeah. it, like those yeah. The, Those the all weird, exist. <laughs> the weird thing, and to be clear, ABC stores is like a very common convenience store in Hawaii. They're really cool. They're like, they're, it's just yeah. like a nice convenience store that are all over the place. I and I assumed the, it I was like logo an alcohol is, store. It is, that's in, what it is, it is in, in mainland America, but in Hawaii, yeah. it's like a convenience store. But I think the logo is different in the game. Huh. Which is weird. I think it's the same color, but a different design. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the minutia of the kind of thing. It's like, oh, I, I visited ABC store all the time when I was in Hawaii. Yeah. And now I'm in one in Yakuza. You know? uh, Kelsey, <laughs> I take it you, you caught that little nod early on when you have the Sujimon Sensei, basically the Pokemon professor coming out. And he's talking about like, what? You deleted the app from your phone from the last game? That, that wasn't stored in the cloud. You got to collect these Sujimon all over again. <laughs> uh, and then he says that he's talking about Hawaii. And he's like, oh, Hawaii is a whole different region of Sujimon. It's blessed by the sun and the moon. She's like, I never thought this game would make a Pokemon sun and moon yeah. Alola reference. Oh, That's so fun. There are so many Pokemon references <laughs> in the Sujimon mm-hmm. stuff. Um, there is a Sujimon character named Satori who is, that's just Ash's name in Japan and he's like a 10 year old boy and like it's oh, really? fun. Yeah, yeah there's there's a lot of really awesome, or sorry, Satoshi, not Satori. Um, okay. There's a lot of uh, really very funny like nods to things. Um, and just to be clear, like, we, we love it when they make Pokemon references and homages in this game, but not Power World. Is that is that the, how the internet's coming down these days? Is that the takeaway? I don't, I, I don't think those are comparable things. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. I hey, you're off I don't think naming, a, like, I mean, this one is like, extremely clearly parody. <laughs> yeah, okay. one, one is explicitly parody. One, one is, is not. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, yeah, we'll we'll save the Pal World discussion for we'll later in the it. podcast, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I've been spending a good amount of a good amount of time with the Suchiman stuff. Um, a good amount of time with the uh, Dondoko Island stuff, yeah. which is um, what people are calling Animal Crossing. Um, which is, I mean, like it has fishing and decorating and bug catching and stuff. But I I actually think it's like it's very good at being its own thing. Um, it's an island designing game, but your goal is to like rehabilitate the island and keep guests happy. And they all have their like specific wants and needs and stuff. It's a very fun little loop. And then just like everything else in the game, mm-hmm. doing well in this rewards you in the actual game. And um, yeah, so I think I think they've nailed a lot of the mini game and game within a game stuff. Um, yeah, there's an awesome crazy taxi clone in there. My favorite, um, perfect, it's so yeah, good. 
Even the character looks like the main like crazy taxi character with like the green buzz cut. <laughs> so awesome. Um, though I will also say, uh, and this is how Kelsey and I have been playing it differently. I have truly not touched the Pokemon stuff or the mm. island stuff oh. at all. And the game does not penalize you for it. And like, I still have enough money to do everything. I remember in seven, I felt like I had to do the like business tycoon stuff at some oh, point yeah. because I just did not have enough money. But in this, like you get money from all sorts of things. So I, I'm not feeling pressured into doing those mini games. I love though that that stuff is there if you want to do it, but then also the, the side stuff can get really hard in these games, which I love like the battle arenas and in, in the older games. And there's always stuff that's like, yo, you gotta be like, really high level to get through some of that that like end game side stuff so i really like that that there's this optional area where it's like yo if you've been grinding and doing everything in this game like you can you can do that yeah uh i i'm still pretty early in this game i understand it but and to be clear i would have said this before maybe i went to any sort of event last week um but I just don't think there's a universe where we're not debating infinite wealth versus Final Fantasy VII Rebirth for Game of the Year 2024. Game uh, of the Year? You you <laughs> might be. I <laughs> I mean, I think this I think this has got a shot for me, but it's January. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna no, hang my call hat. Call it. Yet. Call it. Hang your hat somewhere, Kelsey. <laughs> Make the call. I, I mean, mean, I like Lost Crown a whole lot. <laughs> ooh. Okay. All right. So between Lost, That's, I'm Crown going back and forth between those. You know, it's like play. Prince of Persia at night for about an hour in bed before after I finished playing an hour of like a dragon in the living room, you know? Yeah. Uh, Jacob, I mean, is there any way to quantify how much you're enjoying this game overall since you're the closest to the finish line? I love it. I think it's great. I think it'll be uh, in the five to 10 range of my game of the year is, oh, is okay. what I'm guessing, you know, that, that I, and it depends how well it ends, you know, sure. uh, Gaiden, absolutely killed it with the ending but it was still my number nine you know it's like i do think that the game the game is really really good at doing a lot a lot of things but like i do think that does you know it's just it's harder to remember it as an experience uh a year from now essentially to be like what did that game do i spent 50 hours with it i did everything you know which is a little harder to make an argument for. Um, I do just want to say before yeah, before please. we wrap up, and I think Kelsey, you said something similar uh, uh, to this to me. Is my my partner loves watching this game uh, like no other game. Like she <laughs> she made very clear like when I was going on, she's like, you have to tell them how much I like this game. <laughs> Yeah, I told I told Jacob that my partner basically never watches me play video games. He's usually playing his own video game and we might be in the same room or whatever. He sets his game down and watches. This is like the only game ever that I've seen him do that for. That's so. perfect. It by the way, this is barely related. You all I think would be shocked how many messages I get on Patreon of people saying that they watch House Hunter Rise, that new show plus series that we've done a couple times with their partners. It is it is getting overwhelming. Everyone being oh, like, oh, I know, I re- do the same thing. I could send those messages. <laughs> is that right? I'm like, I really yeah. love you guys. I love your gaming coverage. Uh, also, I drag my wife into the room to watch House on Rise, and, and she loves you guys now too. And sometimes, like, the wife will start supporting us just because of House on Rise. Like, it is House on Rise is the ultimate couples content, apparently. So at some point, I mean, we need to bring it back. For that, for that age range of 
presumably of that person who's watching that content, they probably yeah. really enjoy looking at listings on Zillow. <laughs> I guess that's probably true. I mean, that's true. kind of like a modern thing, right? Is people like looking at Zillow and hoping to have their own listing on Zillow someday. Someday they can rise so like a real Not for house sale owner. anymore. No, yeah. Uh, all right. Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. It's out uh, on Friday for... Old consoles as well, um, not Nintendo Switch. I don't think it's not some cloud thing on the Switch or anything, is it? No, okay. So, no. uh, sweet. Anything else we didn't hit that people are dying to say about this? I mean, we're going to be coming back to this again and again and again. I'm sure. I'm so curious to hear what you know Sarah thinks and, and Janet thinks. The acting is um, good. <clears throat> yeah. If you're it playing is. in Japanese, I watched the English trailer and it sounded terrible, but that's just the trailer. But so. people love it. Like people that play English, it does not bump them at all. You know, I don't want it to, I don't want to be too yeah. much of a Japanese snob when it comes to this game because I think it would be a great job for the dubs. I will say, I actually, the only reason I'm playing in Japanese is because my wife does not want spoilers. Oh, she, fun. She's, okay. She's, she's mm. taking the day off on Friday to play um because she she's every, every in the lead up to this every now and then she'd be like i think i think seven's my favorite game of all time I Whoa. Think. i've been thinking about it so she was like please play in japanese if i'm in the rooms i so because i i won't pay attention to the screen i just don't want to hear spoilers so i might actually switch over to dub because i'm also i'm a person who really does not mind dub i think modern yeah. dub is quite good um so i don't really have a problem although i was talking to marcus stewart over at game informer who's been playing it dubbed and i guess the way they handle the language barrier stuff is just it's on it's on you as the player to just assume that uh ichiban is speaking japanese when he's really speaking english like they don't really compensate for it in any radical way which right. might be might be confusing i'm not sure yeah uh yeah i'm i'm loving it it's going to be it's going to be a yeah, game I've been playing for a very long time here. Really good cast and really good setting. I love the Hawaiian setting. You know, there's like, there's gangs that are more like Foot Clan than Yakuza, which I really like. Okay. Just like the vibes are different enough, but obviously also familiar. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm just really enjoying the cast and, and the fish out of water vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, everybody. Don't be confused about the name of that series anymore. It's like a dragon. This is your last chance to be confused, world. We all got to get up to speed now. Um, Okay. Also out now is The Last of Us Part 2, everybody. I'll be damned. Uh, Of course, you should all know that Sony technically provided uh, these review codes. Sent it over. We got to point that out. Um, But this is the remaster of The Last of Us Part 2. It's it's confusing. It was on PS5 before they made the upgrades. Now this is the super duper for PS5 version for real. Is that the best way to put it here? Because it was on PS4, but then right. they had a 60 frames patch, which That's is like the is. biggest thing. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, but technically, yeah, this is the, the original PS4 game. But uh, Jacob, how much time have you played with the, the remaster? How much time have you tinkered around with this thing? I I have played the Lost Levels, yeah. um, and then I spent some time with the roguelike. I have okay. not... I'm, I'm really interested in the director's commentary, but I just wish that I could just watch all of them without playing the game because I played that game again last year and it's 30 hours long and I don't want to do it again just to hear commentary. I thought somebody told me that like if you have a save that you beat it and you bring it into the PS5 version here that you can actually skip the gameplay sequences. Is there something? Oh, maybe. I haven't I haven't. Okay, tried. I think um, somebody told me that but I, I gotta dig to the details but there's a lot of weird options like that. Hubert, uh, you might like The Last of Us more than anybody I've ever heard on a podcast. I love The Last of Us. <laughs> okay. I mean, how I many? am two. Jesus. Okay. Have you played two? I mean, not nearly as much as you've played one, but like how many times have you played through two at this point, do you think? 
at least four or five. Okay, Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think about I the? I love Last of Us. <laughs> that's sweet. And specifically, like you love the combat and gameplay. Love, love the, the combat, Last of Us. love the story, love it all. So Everything this is it. this should be for you, like a ten dollar upgrade for <laughs> PS5 version. You have the the rogue light mode in there. So what do you think yeah. about this version of it? It's a really good remaster. Like the base game looks and plays better than it ever did. It's really, really just like crisp. Really yeah. nice. Crisp. Question. Yeah. Really? I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not asking <laughs> the the playing. Well, I guess I am because it's like I I did not notice a visual upgrade here. And I think part of it is because, man, The Last of Us 2 looked so good. But it's like I played it on PS5 last year running on the PS4 one with the frames per second. And, And I'm not noticing a visual upgrade, but I also have not spent as much time with it as you. Yeah. Oh, maybe the last time I played it, I did play it on my monitor. Ooh, now I'm okay. playing it on like my TV. Maybe that has to do with a little <laughs> bit. Like, but no, I, I, I totally get that. It's really funny when like you see the side by side like pictures online, like original remastered, and it like looks the same. It's so tough. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's just you know placebo effect. But I definitely was like, oh, this looks and feels better to yeah. me for sure. Yeah, it's it's a good upgrade charging 10 bucks for this upgrade mm-hmm. i feel great about it and for a dork like me and i assume some people listening like it's mainly for the lost levels uh and the commentary there which i think is is fascinating but i think the big yeah. hook for the outside is the no return roguelike mode but um which i'm pretty critical about really personally yeah mm. what, um, what about it I, I just don't like the unlocks. Like, I think the unlocks and just like the the roguelike element of it just doesn't hit with me. Like, you'll unlock gambits, which are like, okay, now you have like additional challenges in a map where it's like throw a bottle at someone and you can get an extra coin that you can spend in the next round or whatever. Or, you know, the, the gameplay modifiers, like, those are really fun and cool, but unlocking them just isn't exciting. Okay. Like I never got excited to unlock anything. I just never felt like I never felt the need for like, Oh, one more, one more like that. There was never the hook to keep going. Um, mm. Cause I love the combat a lot in the last of us, but also the, one of the biggest reasons I love the combat is the context of those scenarios, right? You know, you're trying to get somewhere in the main game and all of a sudden like this other faction comes out of nowhere and now you're creeping through the woods. Like the context around all those encounters are such a strength of the game. Whereas now it's just like, all right, fight, 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 which is (laughs) really good. The fighting is really good. But when you have that and you don't have that extra, you know, hook, to keep going it it just yeah it wasn't as strong as i was hoping but you're like unlocking some stuff here and there like hey you, can you unlock get a, the characters but you yeah. can do that so quickly okay like you can unlock all the characters within like you know a couple hours like you're you got all of them how long does it take Which is, to... But that to me is the best part being able to yeah. play as these characters that you are never really able to play as like just being able to play as tommy is such a yeah. thrill or like uh, Levin Yara together is like one of my most fun. Like I just love playing as both of them. Yeah, 
But yeah. Yeah. So along the characters is, is definitely a, a highlight for sure. I really loved it's- the, uh, Abby has a skin in this game where it's just her wearing a shirt with the old ass Naughty Dog design with like the big yeah. horny looking stupid cartoon dog. <laughs> yes, this is perfect. The skins are weird. You can get like a Fantavision shirt. Like it's right. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah. There's like a bunch of old games that aren't even like Sony games in some instances. I don't know. Uh, are, do you, have you seen that, Michael? I mean, they're minor unlocks. It's just shirts, but I was. There I haven't seen couple. that one, but okay. yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely taken a taken a look at all oh, of those skins for sure. Art the Lad, there's an Art, Art the, the Lad, Lad hype. I was like, oh, dude, my, <laughs> yeah, I never played Art the Lad, but my friend in middle school was obsessed with Art the Lad. Like weird. <laughs> it's one of those like small questions that I would, I would just be curious if Naughty Dog has answered. Of like, we polled our staff to just see what like weird, <laughs> you know, like cult <laughs> games internally we love, and that's why you know we have Art the Lad and Fantavision <laughs> unlocked. Do they know? do they have like uh, Hotline Miami? That's the weird outsider yes. game that is in Last of Us Part Two already. They really do have a shirt for that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, that's yeah. bizarre. All right. Awesome. Um, it, yeah. The roguelike mode is it, it. It's like really up and down for me because I yeah. think like an interesting thing about the Last of Us Two is like the the combat is it is so like involved and kind of thoughtful and playing it. I was struck by like. Sometimes you would go through a combat encounter and then find out that there was like an entire like two thirds of the arena that you never even went in. You know, yeah. that like this the situation was so kind of ornately designed. And then like you you shot a gun and everyone ran at you and you just ended up killing all of them. And so like on one level, I really like the the idea of kind of like giving you combat rooms for this because you get to experiment in ways that you don't in the main game. And also it's like resources are, are less scarce. And so like, you know, I, I would just always try to stealth kill everyone while playing through yeah. the last of us because I'm like, bullets are valuable. You know, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to use those. And so this is a chance to kind of do more than that. Um, but it is, you know, the obvious contrast to this is, is the God of war DLC, yeah. uh, the roguelike <laughs> DLC that just came out. And like God of war combat is, is very fun. And it is, it is like cool and you feel good doing it. And it is really weird to go through combat encounter rooms with the last of us to combat. And this isn't even, you know, I, I have seen criticisms of kind of being people being like, this is against the point of the game. And I'm not even really making that argument, but it's just weird to be like, here's the arcade mode where if you shoot someone in the stomach, they will scream like they're actually dying, you know, which is like (laughs) what The Last of Us 2 does. And and additionally, unlocking some of the characters and maybe maybe this is just for this one. But like I I unlocked Lev uh, last night, who's like the best character in The Last of Us 2. And I was playing Lev and I thought this feels gross because it's like Lev's whole character in that game is like, he is he is both kind of the like beacon of light. He is like the one person who's not like corrupted by revenge in that story. And also like I, I, it just it's like him holding a machine gun feels messed up. You know, like me, like headshotting four people in a row with Lev, like because they do such a good job of like giving him a character. I was like, I don't like this you know it felt it felt like i was like betraying his character in a way that i like never felt with kratos or atreus or something i I get that but then it's like i think as i messed around with like the encounter select 
from the original so often where it's like, I, you know, I've seen that argument of like, oh, it's just weird that you like are just like fighting and fighting and, the, you know, that's against the game. But it's like they already had an encounter select to do this very thing, to just go yeah. back and like blow everybody away. So, yeah, yeah it's I like- think I think that element hasn't like bothered me. But I will say I like that you said you stealth a lot because I feel like no return also is at odds with itself because I really love stealth too. I love creeping through those environments and not being seen and taking them out. But you get scored based on how quickly you get through these. So then it's like, okay, well, I'm, I guess I'm not going to stealth because I'm getting like scored on being efficient on getting headshots and finishing as fast as I can. So it's like this whole half of the combat is, is like you're kind of penalized for. Mm. That's tough. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, I'm always in the camp of like, well, if it's an optional thing, it's fine. I mean, like, did like the factions mode deflate the impact in Last of Us Part One? You know, it's like it's, and I, like I, I, I am in favor of this upgrade overall, even though it costs ten bucks. Just for like, maybe they felt like, oh, we can't, we got, we want to charge people for the PS5 version. What can we do to maybe get some more money out of people? Which maybe is a gross impulse, but at the same time, it's like when the answer is. I don't know, more transparency in the game development. Uh, yeah, we have that roguelike mode, but then like we're also going to do commentary for all the cutscenes, and then just like, there's only three of them, but having those lost levels of like so cut cool. sequences, early in development cut sequences. I hope more games do that. Ben. So that cool. That stuff was so interesting. And yeah. just seeing, like hearing them talk about why things got cut and then realizing too, as a player, it's like, oh yeah, like this would have been weird here. Like I absolutely see why You're right. this that. isn't fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like one of them is, and I don't want to oversell it. Like it's three levels that are pretty small, you know, you just kind of walk around and then yeah, you, can, you can do the whole thing in 15 minutes. Like all yeah, of them. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah. But, um, but you know, one of them's kind of like, here's a little mini game collection where we're walking around Jackson. You can do a bunch of little activities and it feels a lot kind of like that, uh, the carnival sequence in Spider-Man 2, you know, where it's just like, that is a tough thing to like polish all those different little stations, but it's a fun idea of like, okay, what if we had a workbench and instead of crafting stuff, you're just mixing cocktails here. It's like, that that is <laughs> awesome. I love seeing this stuff. And I really love that in the commentary tracks too, they have people other than Neil Druckmann kind of walking through this stuff. You know, it's, you don't often get to hear people from Naughty Dog from the public's point of view, like talk about their work, but just to have like some of these uh, designers like Pete Ellis is walking through in a commentary track like why they cut oh, yeah. this section in the sewers and like that was maybe my favorite because it just really dives into more that than was good yeah you just rarely get this access and you know Valve commentary is great but really get the access of just this level of like okay players we want them to feel this in this area and if they look this way we think they're going to feel this but it turns out they were feeling this like just having that play-by-play for how they predicted players would react and the consequences when they started playtesting it is just fascinating even if it's just a snippet but like my I've said in the podcast many times, but my dream game from Naughty Dog is like, I would love just like a, a demo disc of all of their prototypes. Just get it out there. Why not? I'm talking like PS1 demo disc with the panels that can secretly flip over for the bonus. Just give me weird in development early stuff. And I feel like this is the closest Naughty Dog has ever gotten to that to actually let us play stuff that is not fully polished. And I hope it's just a good lesson for them because now that... The internet, I don't think, wants to scream about Last of Us Part Two too much anymore. Just having Neil Druckmann come TV up. TV show's not out yet. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's going to explode <laughs> yeah. again in a big, bad way for sure. But just Next like, year. <laughs> all they need to do is just set that context of having Neil Druckmann in the little video before each section in the Lost Levels that you play where he just comes out and says like, hey, 
this isn't done, everybody. This is going to be rough. so nervous in those. Totally. It's <laughs> like, I just want to make sure that you know that these are not done. Right, <laughs> right. But I feel like mission accomplished, you know, and I really, I, I really appreciate Neil Druckmann's kind of push for transparency uh, throughout a lot of his career. Like he feels almost like a Ryan Johnson in that way where, you know, he's not shy about walking through just, hey, here's the dead ends we went through in this game's development. You know, I, he does a lot of interviews. Jacob, I know you talked about on your podcast, Something Rotten, that you thought he was talking too much about the development of Last of Us Part Two. I love oh that boy, stuff. Oh boy, I wish he would stop talking now as well. Why? I don't understand. <laughs> Have you seen any of his political statements? No, but it, when it comes okay, to like the game's... Why. Okay, but the game's development. Like, I, I will always push for wanting to hear more from the creators about yes, the process I, they I went through. I want to hear... I think I want to hear more about how games are made and less about what they think it means. Okay. You yeah, know, like sure. if I can draw that distinction, yeah. like I, I <laughs> love, I love when directors tell me how they made a movie. I hate when they tell me the message of their movie. And so this yeah. is to that end. This is exactly what I want, you know, like, and I, and I really appreciate it. There's like a thing. There's a thing in that sewer section where they talk about like, okay. And like the mesh for crawling made it really weird when they had to like crawl around a curve. So we had to make like a custom thing so that they would go around the curve and it feels natural and that's yeah. like you know you hear that and you're like that is why naughty dog games feel different is because they are going to make a custom mesh to go around a curve <laughs> and you also think like oh boy you know this they crunched a lot to make this game this is an almost complete level that i'm playing that is not in the game you know Huge like that budget <laughs> that yeah. is also there yeah, yeah. And you get to fight a boar in a gas station, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they also say that, yeah, they, they made a making of Area 5, produced it as well. It's called Grounded 2 that yeah. uh, they're going to release as a documentary. I'm really curious to see how that all comes together. And I, Grounded 1 was so awesome. Yeah, it was It was great. You know, it's still, it's Sony. They're pretty tight. Like, Kyle, I'm with you. I know you talked about it on the Game Informer show that, like, I do think their God of War 2018 documentary was shockingly honest for how tight of a company Sony likes to be. So I'm curious to see what Area 5's production for Grounded 2 looks yeah. like here. But I remember those old, the original God of War is like yes. had the making of, like Corey Barlog like in his kitchen, like making a sacked lunch. <laughs> like, <laughs> going to work today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God of War, the stuff. original, the very first one was weird yeah. because they were basically like, they had like this is almost we had like this is almost what their their trajectory of the rest of the series will be and where the story is going to go and like <laughs> here's what the game almost was it was almost about yeah. Kratos and his brother I'm like and you guys are sharing like <laughs> a lot of, like a lot of stuff that in nowadays would be totally kept close to the chest you right know? right but did it hurt him like no so that's the lesson everybody you can never get hurt from the community developers <laughs> have at it we all love you not uh, a transition to pal world <laughs> and smooth transition no doubt about it all right uh pal world ladies and gentlemen uh shout out first of all uh Haley mclean the community manager and host of bonus pod if you're a five dollar supporter on patreon you get that bonus podcast each and every week but she is a video game ip lawyer so if you want to hear an informed discussion about Power World, unlock Bonus Pod. Uh, it's a good and then read the week. comments to get the real law from the real people. <laughs> That's really right. What you're talking about. I feel so bad because, like, yeah, we made a TikTok of Haley talking about uh, Power World versus Pokemon. Just you know, if it's under fair use and stuff, and. It blew up. It has like over a million views. It's like, oh, cool. That's, that's uh, awesome, man. That's really Yeah, cool. happy that we had a hit on TikTok. And then at the same time, it's like, this just means more pieces of 
they're jumping in the comments to tell Haley about her job. And it's like, I, I don't know how I feel about this ultimately. Yeah. But it's all good. Pal World, everybody. The survival game that is inspired by Pokemon. But uh, the reason that it's a fascinating thing uh, for uh, maybe me- reason number one is it has sold 7 million copies in five days. My God. Insane. It is. Yeah, I, I mean, Wesley LeBlanc over Game Informer is covering this closely. And he, he put it really into context for me. In that it took, gosh, I'm sorry, if I, I don't have the exact numbers that he shared, but it was like, I think it took 11, it took 11 days for Spider-Man 2 to like hit five or something. It was like, it just really put into context for me that it is outpacing a triple A Spider-Man game. Yep. Like, well, I want to know insane. how it, how it compares against Pokemon games sales Ooh, and, yeah, and yeah. like how quick those roll in. But, uh, cause I think it was 10 yeah, million pretty quick. They announced for, uh, Scarlet for the sales, but I forget if that was like in the first month or something like that, but it would be fun to, to track that. Um, I mean, this is, this is what's fun about the game industry is just, we all saw this game. Maybe we scoffed at it when Jeff Keighley said, Hey, it's Pokemon with guns, everybody. And we all kind of moved on. And then just this sales haymaker can come out of left field. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, this is, this is what's fun. You never know what game's going to catch fire like this, but it's already, I'm waiting for my mom to text me about pal world. Like it's going to (laughs) come. Yeah. And so the big thing is obviously there are some very Pokemon inspired designs in here, but I hear the comments out there that are also screaming like, it's a survival game. It's a fun survival game. Stop talking about the Pokemon part, please. It's just, it's a survival game that we like to play that, yes, has some Pokemon-looking creatures packed in there. But, uh, Kelsey, you've probably played the most, and I know you're a big Pokemon fan. Not much, yeah. But, okay. I, I mean, gosh, this is just one of those games where, like, it's so clear that on the internet you cannot have a nuanced take. There's just no... <laughs> There's just no room for anything to be, uh, you know, not a black and white thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to try to quickly summarize thoughts here. Um, It's a survival game. People are right. It's it does not play like Pokemon. Um, I am frankly confused by the people who think who are like, finally, this is what we've always wanted from Pokemon because it's so little like Pokemon. It like it has Pokemon elements like (laughs) dropped on top of a survival game. And so I'm very confused by the people who have been playing Pokemon and expecting a survival game if this is what they wanted. And especially like um, if they just want like a more open environment. It's like, well, that's the last two Pokemon well, games have given you that. Yeah, they've ran like trash, but I mean, it's still a, it's a little bit of that freedom that it seems like you're going for. Well, and I think people liked Arceus for yeah. the different flavor it brought to, you know, the, the whole Pokemon thing. Um, uh, okay. Um, Game Freak has not been putting out well-done games lately. Uh, It is good for them to feel pressure and have competition. That's basically always good. Um, There are also some designs in here that... Look, I don't don't care if things are legal or not. Like, that's going to be settled in court or not settled in court. It does... Like, that is up to a judge someday. (laughs) I don't care if it's legal. (laughs) Um, Yes. There's some designs that feel real weird, like that just artistically, ethically, not something I feel great about supporting, you know, like it, it's kind of disappointing that a game that I think otherwise I'm not in full disclosure. And I said this in the stream, I'm not into survival games. This yeah. is not my genre. Um, I I get it. I totally understand. Like playing something with your friends that just kind of allows for seamless, easy conversation. Like that part, I 100% get. That's, That's it, just yeah. fun no matter what you're doing. 
Um, and this game seems totally serviceable in all of that. It's difficult for me to imagine myself getting super into a game where I just have kind of thorny feelings about the artistic direction of it. Like these are, these are very Pokemon-like models. They are using the same like art style. Um, some, you know, obviously the charitable thing is extremely inspired, right? Like I'm not gonna, I'm not, I don't care about the legal. I'm not going to like <laughs> sure. say plagiarism or whatever. Like it, but there's some stuff that just feels kind of gross. And that makes it difficult for me to be like all in on something like this, because I just, I'd prefer a version of this that just had it's more of its own identity um, yeah. for me to not feel a little weird playing. it. Well, I wonder if they're going like, to shift that direction. Cause I mean, the reason I think they would go for, I mean, they got Jeff Keighley on stage to say Pokemon with guns. Like, I think the marketing worked, you know, like to have yeah. these things that were dangerously close. I don't know, to man. Pokemon. I don't the marketing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think at this point, like maybe it can grow in the future. And like when they introduce more pals, it's like, well, now we don't need that because now we're the biggest game of 2024. I, I don't know, man. I, I really feel like talking about the sales of this game without acknowledging that it's just a game where you can like chop up a Pikachu is like that. That's it. You know, like I, I, I don't think that's it. I you mean, haven't played it, Jacob, to be fair. I, I, uh, gen- I genuinely, think- Jacob, what, what do you mean by chop up? Like, you can kill and eat the pals. I'm pretty sure you, that is okay. A, okay. Yeah, because um, I, I was at my short time with it. I was a little flabbergasted that you actually attack the pals to right, like c- to throw pokeballs at them. I guess I should call it's them just something like, like <laughs> Minecraft, <laughs> but Pokemon. Like, yeah, but yeah. just walking up to you know that well, the first pal I met and like hitting it with a bat a few times i was like this there's got to be a middleman here <laughs> like, this, Pokemon this. does that correctly where it's like i'm not hitting these creatures it's Somebody like what i is. what i don't want us to <laughs> skip here is just like I, I i think it's kind of naive to say like seven million in four days and like oh i if it didn't have that pokemon thing like we'd all be really into it like that's Oh, no, there are so no, many survival. All. You know, it's like I think without the Pokemon, this game kind of isn't it's a survival game of which yeah. there are lots, you know, and so 100%. like, yeah. I kind of I don't see this game having a a long shelf life. And, and maybe I'm, you know, I'll check back at the end of the year. I could be completely wrong on that. But like, it seems like this is this is a novelty game. It is like it is mature the the kid's idea of mature pokemon which is what if you could shoot pokemon with guns and enslave them you know it's like that's not it's it's not mechanically like oh my gosh what i've always wanted to do with pokemon it is uh i think nathan nathan grayson wrote an article for aftermath for this it's like it's happy tree friends you know it's like what if the cartoon had like super gore and violence not like what a brilliant uh subversion of our genre expectations yeah, yeah, that of- was actually literally the uh, Nathan Grayson's tweet I was going to bring up as the right. take I, I resonate with the most is like, this is not, yeah, this isn't like actually the adult grown up version of Pokemon. This is, yeah, this is what kids think Pokemon for adults is. And yeah, I think the Happy Tree Friends <laughs> reference is, uh, yeah, it's spot on. It's just, and I don't know. I don't know if this is going to have staying power or not, because the reality is there's a lot of kids playing it and the kids are really, really into Roblox, which like has an insane amount of ethical issues that make Power World look like the most ethically normal game in the whole world. So, (laughs) I mean, 
you know, like it, it's going to be up to the kids, I think, at the end and, of the day. Yeah. And with this level, like, you know, 7 million sales, like there are going to be so many kids, you know, everybody's favorite Pokemon game. I don't know if you've checked is their first Pokemon game. Right. And so I think there's going to be or their second. OK, <laughs> it, it's it's whatever one they played when they were roughly 10. Yeah, I think you're right. You need to be yeah. the same no, age I, as Satoshi. I, I, I can confirm through experience that it's definitely the first because my kid could not be less interested in Scarlet and Violet. Oh, really? <laughs> but the but point she is loves, like, uh, what was it? Sword and Shield? Those yeah, ones, she loved those too. Oh, real Janet style. Uh, but I do. Th- <laughs> there's going to be millions and millions of kids who are going to be playing this game and falling in love with it. This is going to be, I think. It feels like right now, Jacob, this is going to be a juggernaut for the next decade, at least cultural impact. There's going to be a lot of nostalgia for this game for a whole generation. I don't think it's going to be in the critical discussion in a big way for the next three years. But I do think like impact on culture achieved just from the first couple of days of sales alone. Min-max listeners, write in January 24th, <laughs> 2034. <laughs> I mean, there's there's something to be said, I think, about... The hook, the hook of the game, outside of like you know using the word Pokemon, is it is a survival game that gives you the option to automate a lot of the things that aren't fun about survival games with like little bonus creatures. Yeah. Um, yes, that was made think, very clear when we were streaming yesterday. That yeah. yeah, there's a lot like you can turn off hunger, you can crank up the XP. Like I, I don't play enough survival games to know if that's novel um but it is it's welcome it's certainly welcome yeah Yeah, i i just i guess what all i'm trying to say is like that is a little bit of a a hook beyond pokemon is like you can set up factories with cute creatures which yeah i don't know we'll see i it's certainly it will certainly uh there will be it'll it'll wind down over the coming weeks but i to your point, Ben, I mean, there's going to be, and Kelsey as well, there's going to be a group of people who are all in on this thing for an extended period of time. Oh, yeah. Time, Millions of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is kind of that. So, yeah, especially when you get your, like, your group together and you, yep. like, start building out your community. And it's like, I feel like it'll last longer because of that social element. I mean, on that note, I mean, so they saw that apparently it's more popular than Fortnite is on Xbox. Like, by the way, talk you could not have a bigger win for game pass in theory than pal world like game pass day one they probably paid 14 nickels to get this thing on game pass like it is the <laughs> biggest leap after missing out on Baldur's gate three last year right like this is mm-hmm. it if this if this does not convert people to game pass in a big way then like i don't know what it means for the future game pass but apparently on xbox this was more popular than uh fortnite and i do wonder if the impact of this game is going to rob some enthusiasm from Lego Fortnite, which is a game I'm still playing here and there and I still really like. Um, but like, it feels like some of the same overlap. And now yeah, this is the sensation totally when Lego Fortnite isn't. I, yeah, I, th- I think I can't even predict what is going to happen with this game. Honestly, like I have no idea. Like this thing could fall off a cliff in like a month and everyone's over it. Yeah. Or seriously, it could just keep going. Like Genshin Impact, you know, is such a huge right. game. And it's like, when Genshin came out, it was like, oh, like Genshin Impact, like it was pretty big. I was like, oh, maybe it's just like the fad of, of the time or whatever. And it's like, no, Genshin is like die hard. People are obsessed. And that game has like not really dropped off all that much. Yeah. So. Yep, for sure. It I is wonder. It is funny to, to hear all these people out there saying, look, oh, Nintendo's going to sue. Nintendo's going to take it down. Nintendo's going to sue. Again, I'll leave it to Haley McLean to be the expert, but it is funny to me, Kyle, because it's like, well, Nintendo doesn't own Pokemon. <laughs> Nintendo owns a yeah. third of Pokemon, and it's Kyle. I'm so thankful. I went back and referenced it because you, you, it was a cover story or a 
a feature <laughs> yeah, yeah. we did in Game Informer a long time ago, and then you put an article up, I think, last year after I bugged you about it. Yeah, you, uh, you, <laughs> when I went back to Game Informer, you were like, hey, by the way, can you get this story up on the site? And I was like, that is a fantastic idea. Yeah, because we went to Game Freak for the first time when Kyle and I went there and talked to Masuda and just said, like, hey, who owns Pokemon? Can you explain this? And he really went on the whiteboard. You'd be like, okay. So it's, <laughs> it's technically Nintendo and Game Freak and Creatures. They all own a third of Pokemon. And then those three entities creatures? created... Yes. Which creatures? The Pokemon themselves? Yeah, they're self-owned. Uh, <laughs> the uh, pals. Yeah. Pikachu uh, has, like, a, amazing stock options. Like, they know, <laughs> you know, how valuable he is to the company. Yeah, but then it's a the confusing thing, because then those three owners then created the Pokemon company to manage this. So it's like, I don't know if it'd be Nintendo bringing the hammer down, which no doubt they would love to do. Um, but it's like, I don't know how they I, coordinate for that legal stuff. This is a lot of, you know talking out of our butt about Power World. I I wonder if Nintendo as all this sort of stuff is circulating around it and what it's you know Pokemon ripoff etc. I wonder if Nintendo's just really genuinely more interested in like how do we get this on Switch? Like I wonder if that's a, a bigger priority for them than worrying about the legal ramifications of what it all yeah. means. It's like we want to get a popular game on our platform. That's more important to us than any of this other stuff that everyone's talking about. Yeah. How, I mean how long do you guys think this will be in early access? Two years. Uh, the based rest on forever, it will yeah, never. Yeah, I was gonna be say based on after. their other yeah. games forever, right? Like, yeah. that, and that's, <laughs> that's not. I, I I don't I don't know, and I don't know. You know, it's not like I have a deep insider knowledge of this company. Uh, it's just that's what we know about this is that they've had that Craftopia game in early access for a super long time. Yeah. <laughs> Also, uh, hey, set your hey, calendars, everybody, because two and a half years from now, PAL World Trading Card Game will be announced. Um, and it, it won't succeed, but it will technically be announced two and a half years from now. I like to think that it'll follow the ARC Survive... Sur- survival, survival Evolved. evolved. Yep. Uh, the path <laughs> where they uh, they announce two, and then they delist one, and they make everyone buy a remaster of one, and Vin Diesel may or may not be in the sequel. <laughs> oh, number one <laughs> PAL. Vin Diesel coming to PAL World. <laughs> Um, it, Kyle, thinking about like what Nintendo's thinking, I thought you're going to go the route of like, I wonder if this makes Game Freak and the Pokemon company go like, you know, maybe getting those Pokemon games on Steam, maybe there's an extra push to do it now, knowing that there's this hungry of a community out there. And obviously there's a lot of Pokemon inspired games on Steam already, um, but like this game can have this big of an impact if they released some older Pokemon games in there, they could, they could rack up millions of sales. And there was that weird messaging because everyone's always like well it's a nintendo game you can't do it but i mean talking to game freak masuda explicitly said like no there's there's no contract basis like it's really just like a friendly handshake and that's the reason we only release on nintendo stuff but legally there's no reason we can't do it i guess we won't make 40 billion (laughs) right i mean that's the (laughs) i mean but that's how they roll i mean there's so many other opportunities for that all these years and i mean and those, those classic games aren't even on switch they're going to come to Switch before they ever come to PC. That's right? weird to think about. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Um, Do you guys yeah. think they'll add like crafting survival stuff in the next Pokemon? Like, is it going to get that crazy where Pokemon is looking at Power World? I mean, Arceus maybe, kind of maybe has, has some one of, that. of those modes that everyone dabbles with, but is like, well, we don't ever need this again. You know, like decorating your dog Pokemon and, and the <laughs> Sun and Moon or whatever. You know, it's like. This was nice to try, but like, you don't actually have to put this in the next one. <laughs> you know? What's been interesting to me is like the, I'm I'm drawing parallels here between the way Nintendo has handled Animal Crossing, and uh, I guess they're they're not parallels, but I'm going to compare them real quick. So um, 
Animal Crossing New Horizons was like a really big departure for the series uh, for Animal Crossing. And I personally didn't like it. Almost everybody else did. That was clearly like what's in the water, what people are craving. Um, And in the same way that I don't really understand, like I wasn't craving survival stuff out of Pokemon, but clearly some people were like, I am curious if this is a matter of like sometimes Nintendo like strikes first and figures out what people are actually craving, even if it's not what the game has historically been like. Um, And sometimes they're like, nah, no way. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to swing big with a big change like that. And someone else comes in and fills that gap and then it sells seven million copies in like five days or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) God, can you imagine being in Rocksteady right now? Just punching a wall like the answer was Pokemon with guns. We've been busting our asses making Suicide Squad for like a decade. And now this game is just robbing (laughs) the entire world of oxygen. Good times. Why um, do I bring up Suicide Squad? Do I got to bring me down? Oh, sorry. Sorry. We won't bring it up again. I promise. I promise it won't come up in this episode. Uh, hey, Jacob, do you know how this whole thing operates? Uh, Patreon. <laughs> Sometimes uh, you can't think uh, of a funny answer. <laughs> Patreon. That's right, everybody. Patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. That's how, again, you can jump in at the $2 tier even. Unlock a benefit. Jump in the Discord just for one month, jump in, compete in Trivia Tower with Huber, uh, help make more things possible. We can bring in more folks uh, if you jump in there, even at the $2, $5 tier. Love it. Just for one month, try it out. We appreciate it. Patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. And thank you, of course, to some of our bigger supporters. I'm talking about folks like HelloFresh. Huber, you like eating food? Love eating food. Do you like fresh food or stale bad food? Fresh. That's what I thought. Uh, you talk about it all the time on Easy Allies. Then I'm going to tell you about HelloFresh. Uh, with HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And of course, that is why it's America's number one meal kit. Uh, Kyle, mm-hmm. list things I'm not good at. What do we got? Uh... Devil May Cry. Devil May Cry, I'm correct. <laughs> and the only thing above Devil May Cry is cooking. I'm quite bad at it. Yet, when I have a big bag of HelloFresh, genuinely look forward to it. I feel like I cannot fail. I can make, I can feed my family this <laughs> meal by cooking something great with HelloFresh. Uh, so always a treat when it's in the fridge. And they want you to know that whether you're trying to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. You can say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll like delivered right to your door. You can go to HelloFresh.com slash MinMaxFree and use code MinMaxFree for free breakfast for life. Kyle, you go for Devil May Cry for the number one reference. I don't know. I, I re- <laughs> you really stumped me because I was like, surely I know you well enough to know yeah. some real life activity that you're actually bad it's at. Only been thirteen years of knowing you. I understand. Uh, oh, fashion. Yeah, there we go, baby. There we go. Hey, actually, that hurt my feelings. Uh, can we go back to Devil May Cry? Nailed it. Um, hey, you can get uh, one breakfast item per box while subscription is active. Uh, that's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash MinMaxFree with the promo code MinMaxFree. Thank you, HelloFresh. And thank you, of course, to our dear friends at iMateBit. They want you all to know about the Minecraft Dungeons for... for disc for vinyl 
uh, box sets is a better way to put it, available at I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store. If you want a sweet soundtrack to Minecraft Dungeons, you can check it out. Of course, the album art is awesome. The color of the vinyl itself is awesome because it's an I Am 8-Bit per, uh, production. So you can check out I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store and you can use the promo code Old Lang... Oh, sorry. I don't know why I would say that. Old Game Zine. Old Game Zine. Check out the description for the spelling there and you can get 10% off of everything in the store that's under $100. It does not apply to pre-orders. Just a heads up. But you can check out a ton of great things in iMapit's wonderful online store and you can check out that Minecraft Dungeons uh, vinyl box set as well. And... You should. You should uh, help thank IM8Bit by checking out their online store because they are so helpful for MinMax and in supporting the MinMax community because each and every week they ship out a prize to whoever has the best question submitted over there on Patreon. So, Hubert, your job is, as we go through all these community questions, remember this one is clearly the best. This one made the show better, and then you get to choose it at the end, and then that person wins the World of Warcraft Wrath of the Lich King vinyl soundtrack thanks to IM8Bit. That's a good soundtrack. They will ship it right to their house. So the world is in your hands, man. Okay, community questions. Jacob, I've been playing so much of Infinite Wealth that the like purple bar behind you, it's the same <laughs> color as the enemies that are too difficult for you to fight right now. Yeah, watch out. And so I keep, I keep getting a little nervous when I look over. I'm like, oh, I better get out of here. I can't even talk to him. Uh, meanwhile, Kyle has the wimpy ass enemy lighting behind him. It's like we just would run right through him. It's weird how that works. I'm just a civilian. I don't have any lighting. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. Just go we up didn't to talk about befriending everyone in Hawaii by just pressing square. And, hey! Hey! So and I promised awesome. my partner I would ask all of you guys, too, um, if you ever wave at people again once they are your buddies. Well, because there are two I levels of it. There's friends and buddies. So yeah, you well, do once it. you're buddies, once oh, you're well, done, have you? do you ever wave at them ever again? You probably would. I don't have that yeah. many buddies, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he got uh, so mad at everyone. me because I stopped waving at people who I was... He was like, wow, so you became their best friend and then you just like won't even <laughs> say hi to them anymore? <laughs> get the idea, no, yeah. <laughs> I think that's how it works. Uh, Sebastian... Apolinario, apologies, writes in. They say, hearing Ben so excited about The Last of Us Part 2 director's commentary track for the remaster made me think, which game would you like to replay with a full director, actor, and or developer commentary? Just actor commentary for me. I don't want to hear from nobody else. I want the most informed hot take. Another uh, thing you're bad at, Hanson, is hiding your disdain for actors. <laughs> I just think they're professionally insincere and I don't care for it. Uh, um, it is, honestly, with all due respect to the wonderful actors in Last of Us Part 2, like I listened to a little bit of that commentary for the cutscenes and I was like, I don't want this. I, I'd rather have commentary for the gameplay. Like, I don't want to hear just Trey Baker waxing poetic about Joel yet again. It's like, I feel like I've had enough of that and I haven't really saw no, it out No, that's always, life. it's true with movies too. They're like, oh, in this scene I decided to act good. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's okay. like, I think I got it's it. It's like when you interview athletes after a game. Oh, like, the so, brutal. What, what was important? They're like, well, you know, we just really wanted it. We scored a lot of points and that was, the offense was good, uh, defense was good. One game at a time, Kelsey. One game at a time, you know? <laughs> uh, for, for commentary, the ooh. ones I go to are like the games I love that like, have a, a really specific point of view like you know the kojima games and like uh play dead games and stuff but at the same time i'm like i don't know if i really want more surface there beyond the technical side of things right yeah like the technical aspect of it would be interesting but 
intention from the creators. Like, I don't know if I really want to know that necessarily. Maybe it depends. Yeah, I got to think about those games that like are big, could say a lot of, even about an overall studio or company and haven't really been discussed too much. And I know we all loved like the Breath of the Wild GDC talk, but I think that throughout the entire game, it's big. There'd be a lot of it. I'm sure they could talk about designing every single shrine, every single aspect of Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. And so I think that'd be my pick for like, I feel like yeah, there's just infinite amount of that. lessons we could learn about game design from that. Yeah. I mean, the the big swing changes, genre switches, I think those would be fun. Like uh, Yakuza 7 or like Assassin's Creed Origins. Like it would be fun to hear commentary on like, this is why we made this big change. You know, yeah. and let's dive into that here. I think that would be fun. I feel like it would probably be more fun to do it with like an older game, you know, Ooh, like it just yeah. just have that be like here's here's part of gaming history filled in, you know, that like we didn't we didn't know the circumstances of this and now we do. So I don't know, like a smart answer would be like Shenmue or something. That's like, what I was oh, say. Careful, don't say those words around Huber, careful. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. But the you Kar- should play a little game called uh, The Making of Karateka. Yeah, Comes up every week of the show from here on out. We gotta drop a reference to the making of Karateka. <laughs> so cool. Okay, so Shenmue is the correct answer? I yeah, guess. It would be good. I, yeah. It would be, be yeah, it's like you want you want the level of like them being candid to like Yep. you know, be like this is this is why we it, it would just be great to hear like how they thought they could solve the problems of an open world or something. I think that would be the most interesting thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be cool if Naughty Dog went into their own past too. Like, hey, we just brought back the original developers. Let's do commentary track for Crash Bandicoot, that hot Xbox property. But you know what? Let's just do it. Um, I have like a burning passion and I am obsessed with The Evil Within 2. Ooh, like I yes. really think it's one of the most like underrated games there's ever been. Like I think it's one of the best survival horror games ever made. So I would love it if there was like a full on deep dive into that. Did you two plan this ahead of time that Jacob you would reference Shenmue <laughs> and then Huber you would reference Evil Within Two and you could cross pollinate on that? I get uh, it. Who's the Who's the Evil Within Two director? Sorry, John Johannes. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, Blake Hasterover, Game Informer, did a big uh, profile on him and, like, traveled to Japan and talked to him. And he so does talk awesome. a little bit about the development of Evil Within 2 and how yeah. into the deep end he was thrown. So yeah, yeah. recommend checking that out. Okay, awesome. this is this is a stretch, but let me walk you through where, how my mind is coming back to this. Is uh, John Johannes, I first heard him on the 8-4 Play podcast. And I was thinking about 8-4 as a company, the localization company that Sarah used to work for. I was thinking about them again while playing Yakuza. Because I'm sorry, like a dragon, because it's this nerdiest little Lito, but I loved it. And I love they made this change. But I don't know if you remember this deep cut. But when they first announced Yakuza like a dragon and they showed combat gameplay, the UI, it said like special attack guard and miscellaneous. And I think it was John Ricciardi who was on the MinMac show a while ago and used to be Sarah's boss. He, you know, he works in localization and he tweeted out like, oh, they were so close to that spelling out Sega. Like, if you change it, then you could have it spelled Sega. And they saw that, and then the localization team changed it to, instead of miscellaneous, to et cetera, so that the UI in Like a Dragon oh. spells out Sega with all the things. Wow. It's just a fun that's little detail. So Making real changes in the world. That's right. Improving media. it one step at a time. Yeah, that's my Twitter <laughs> rules. Um, non-binary bomb writes in. They say, hi, Huber and company. Hello. We're the company. Um, I've always appreciated... Okay, this is... 
you're off the hook for this one, Huber, if you don't want to say anything. I, I totally get it. Uh, but he says, I've always appreciated the relationship MinMax and Easy Allies share, as it's actually through the allies that I first found MinMax. Um, it is wild. People always write into the Patreon when, you know, we message all new supporters. They always say, I watch House Hunter Rise with my partner. And then the second thing they say is, I found you when you were a guest on uh, Easy Allies' podcast back in the garage, which was like so long ago. And people still reference that <laughs> yeah. episode. It's really fun. Anyways, they say, what's something you feel like both channels, MinMax and Easy Allies, have learned from each other? I wanted to answer this because I don't think I kissed his butt enough when we had Jones on the podcast recently. But like before we launched MinMax, um, I called up like a couple people from the community, which was a weird thing, but I, I'm glad I did it. Just to be like, hey, what would you want if we were to start a new outlet? And then I called other people uh, who are in the, the whole Patreon game and I talked to Blood and I talked to Jones. And like, I went back and looked at those notes today and like notes from Jones for launching MinMax is like a page of just like, okay, here's what I recommend. Here's what I recommend. And he was so friendly and so open. And like, he was more than anybody else. He's the, really the one who pushed me where he's like, look, you know, you should make a clean break from Game Informer. He's like, don't just try and do all the Game Informer stuff again. Don't call it, you know, one of the ideas for the names for MinMax was like Fun Informer. He's like, don't call it anything like that. Just totally separate beast. Just plot your own course. Cause like, if you're always looking backwards, it's just not a great way to grow a company. And I really took that to heart and I really loved it. And now I see other outlets launching with like a name that's kind of looking backwards a little bit. I'm like, oh, I wish they talked to Jones. Like, but they're more successful than we are. So what the hell do I have to say? But I thought that was really nice. Um, and awesome. let me continue to kiss Easy Allies' ass, which everyone should <laughs> support them on Patreon and listen to the podcast because it's very good. Go on, um, please. <laughs> here we go. Uh, but um, I feel like it wasn't until... Because I found Easy Allies because a lot of people were leaving comments for the Game Informer Show podcast back when I hosted. And they're like, this feels like Easy Allies. This feels like Easy Allies. I'm like, I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. I wasn't like a big game trailers person. And then like once I got into it, I was like, oh, these are my people. Absolutely. And specifically like the love on Easy Allies. And I know this is gross and Jacob, you're welcome to throw a grenade in this conversation at any moment. But like the love of marketing and like publisher messaging and a lot of it's coming from like Jones, like caring about the right way to stage a reveal trailer. Like that yeah, level of like industry obsessed. dorkitude is like, yes, <laughs> this is what I want people to talk about. Like if they're passionate about it, right? Like don't go out of your yeah. lane for it. But like having people that care about like, I'm trying to remember just at one point you guys were like breaking down. Okay. This is the best way they could do a gameplay reveal trailer for shadow of the tomb Raider. And it's like, yes, this is the conversation I like to hear at this point about the games industry. Yeah. Just like trailers, press conferences. Yeah. Just the art of that. I love that. It's fun stuff. Um, anyways, did that get too gross? Jacob, are we okay? I'm, look, I'm fine with talking about all this okay, stuff. Okay, good, good, good. Thank you. I just don't want to be like, think of the poor company who didn't get to show us their ad in the right way. <laughs> sure. <I get> <laughs> uh, Tom Blackburn writes in and says, Hey, MinMax folks, uh, is it better to have a game series stick with the same director slash creative lead or to change them up every single game? Great question. Great Bit question, of both. Tom. Bit of both. I think, you know, back yeah. to Evil Within. Yeah. You know, fresh take on the Evil Within 2 compared to 1. And then, you know, playing off that as well, Shinji Mikami, like Resident Evil, you know, going from Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, and then back to Shinji Mikami with Remake and 4, obviously. Like, yeah. I, I think there's a nice balance of, like, maybe keeping some of the same director duties, but then also, like, you know, having room for other creators and directors to do their own take on it. 
I'm with you. I was, I was thinking about Resident Evil as well. It seems like the obvious example, because I think, as far as I can tell, every game has a different director, except for four. Went back to mm-hmm. the Mikami, this director is one. And it is like, yeah. if you're the old legend coming back, you're probably feeling more liberated and less precious about keeping things intact. I think that's what can mm-hmm. lead to an incredible game like Resident Evil 4. So, I don't know. Yeah, or 2018. For that, War. That, oh, I, that's I a great example. Bring that up. Because yeah. it was like the first the first game directors that I knew about were from those God of War documentaries that were on the yeah, disc. And like that original oh, yeah. trilogy had three different because it was Jaffe and then Barlog and then uh, Stig Asmussen for, for mm-hmm. three. Yeah. And it was like that was so fascinating to me. And like those games are pretty like they are they are similar in a lot of ways and they're also like very different in in other ways. Um and it's like, those are really interesting. And then Barlog coming back, who was like, two was my favorite of the original trilogy. So I was like really excited mm-hmm. to to have him coming back. Um, I think I want more if there's like a creative director with like a real a real sense of vision. I think I want them on a bunch of IPs. You know, it's like I want I want them to be able to do a bunch of different stuff. And so, like, I kind of don't want them locked to one series because yeah. it's like you know like Kamiya got to make so many different wild games and if he just made like six bayonettas i think that would yeah i would love to live in a world with six bayonettas but i'm like (laughs) i'm glad that we got a bunch of other stuff too yeah and then on the other side of it i mean metal gear solid we got five what seven of those i guess well nine yeah, I'm Hang thinking on. of like Metal Gear 1 and 2 and then Solid 1 through okay, 5, sure. right? Um, but there is a consistency of vision among those games that I really appreciate and really love. Um, but it, it can work both ways, right? Like it, it works really well for God of War, but I, I to for, and this is like the fear of the, the fear, quote unquote, of the future for me. The fear! Gear, it's like, yeah, sorry. It's some, <laughs> it's someone else over taking you. over is just going to change that series in ways that we're, we have not yet come to understand. No, it's yeah, cool. like Metal Gear Solid Three remake is gonna be. It's gonna be. Weird. It's gonna feel weird. You know, yeah. I'm going in. It's yeah. gonna feel weird. Yeah, I mean, it's just having the consistency <laughs> of vision is awesome, but at the same time, you're seeing the direct consequences of that. Where now Kojima left, and who do you got? Uh, where if it was a Resident Evil situation, it's like, all right, we got the director of Resident Evil Three to come back. You know, just like to have some name that's out there that has the experience and is ready to go and step up and lead, and like having that talent rotate for director like evil within two example like we wouldn't have hi-fi rush probably if mikami was like well i'm gonna stick around and then john johannes didn't get to build up that experience to then lead to hi-fi rush you know mikami for so long was like i just want the next generation to step up and and surpass us you know they need to take the reins so yeah i love that of course this question made me think too about mission impossible the ultimate series of jumping between directors and it's like wait we found McCory with five yeah. and now McCory, 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 McCory. And, it's like, yep, and yep. I love those movies a lot, but a part of me is still like, it's kind of cool if they change it up every time. And he tries to justify it by like, well, we bring in a new composer every time. So it's still a little bit different. But I was like, yeah, come on, <laughs> come on guys. Uh, ben Shively writes in um, and they say, oh yeah, this is, we were so naive. Remember last week on the podcast, the question was, <laughs> predict the most controversial game of 2024 i i was listening to that podcast and being like if only they knew they were five minutes away from the end <laughs> <laughs> it turns out it is pal world there's i can't imagine getting around it although ben shively writes in they say uh that they predict it's going to be silent hill 2 the remake which i could Good see that pick. yeah 
I don't know if it's going to be Power World levels, but certainly there's going to be a lot of discourse about that thing whenever it comes out. I think, I think, I think Silent Hill Two is frankly so underplayed, and so many people are going to be coming into it fresh. Yeah, that it's going to be like it's it's. There's I I wonder. Yeah, I'm curious if there will be a lot of like this is how it used to be, and it was better this way. I I don't. I know feel like it'll be it'll be too. localized to our games Twitter. You know that yeah. that it'll just be it'll it'll be the old heads who are talking about it. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, Tommy White wrote in. They say I don't have a question. Then get out of here, Tommy. Uh, they say, but maybe this was already mentioned, but I just want to shout out Kelsey Lewin's appearance on the podcast My Perfect Console last year. It's definitely my favorite video game podcast besides MinMax, so it's great to hear her on there. So go check it out. Thanks. <laughs> there you go. What is that podcast right like, there. My Perfect yeah. Console? Yeah, it's, um, gosh, it, I feel like, was that really last year? This feels like it was years ago uh, that I was on that <laughs> podcast, but it's a it's a... I don't know. It's a lot of questions that aren't about just building your perfect console, but um, yeah, it was a very fun time. Nice. Uh, Tokyo Game Life writes in. They say, um, another code recollection, a remake of the two original games, came out a few days ago on Switch. And instead of having two individual games you select from the menu, it's now merged them into one continuous adventure. Is there one franchise that could benefit from merging the entire franchise into one singular narrative? Even for like a remaster or something. I think it's a really fun idea to think They're about. Yakuza, oh. baby. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 500 <laughs> hours. That would be awesome to see. I would absolutely play that. That sounds, that sounds fantastic. And either. They're about to do it with Max Payne 1 and 2. Yeah, oh, that's a great example. Yep. Which is pretty sweet. What do you want from um, Max Payne? If they Obviously, you know, the passing of the voice actor... Um, do you think they're going to keep Sam Lake then? Or you think that is kind of a one-two punch of like, well, we can't have Sam Lake with another voice actor, so we should probably That's just like a- mocap the same person at this point. Yeah, I wonder. Well, Because they did change his design, you know, in two and three. Yeah. So I was going to say yeah, he was out by two. So oh, I, I don't yeah. think there was ever, uh, I don't think Sam Lake was ever going to be in, mm-hmm. at, at least not the face of Max Payne. Oh, I really right, thought. You mean Alex Casey? I'm confused. Yeah, <laughs> Look, we're all <laughs> the confused. The famous detective? Uh that's I want like really hardcore destructible environments in that game, like the lobby in the Matrix, yeah. like just stuff coming off everywhere. Because Control does that really well too, and and Quantum Break. Yeah, so, I could I could I see really it for want. sure. A, uh, a weird. This is it's weird talking about the series because uh, Max Payne Three is Rockstar, but like Max Payne Three still has some of the best ragdolls I've ever seen in any yeah. game. You know, it's like the and the ragdolls yeah. and and the like gross but like the bullet deformation when you like shoot someone like it's it's the body crumbles <laughs> so realistically it is insane yes that's funny because like when you say best ragdolls in games i think of like force unleashed like most ragdoll <laughs> but this is a different thing <laughs> okay like the very first kill in max Payne 2 is like a ragdoll showcase where you're in this hospital and you kill a guy and he flies back like into the wall and there's like shelves that fall everywhere and, like all these <laughs> jars. That's really That's awesome. I, um, so I, I beat Golden Sun officially for the first time like a year or two ago. Yeah. And I took a photo of all my code, which is like five pages of like a 20 digit code. And so when Golden Sun came to switch, Golden Sun 2, they both came out at the same time. I was like, all right, I'm going to enter my code that I got about a year ago on Game Boy Advance into Golden Sun 2, and I'm going to play Golden Sun 2 on my Switch. And that process is so 
time consuming and boring because <laughs> it's like it's like 300 characters like oh numbers letters and symbols um so what i would love is for golden sun one and two to just be merged into one game that just automatically it's just you know it's like last of us a part two style where there's just yeah. like a middle and you're like all right you're switching protagonists now <laughs> you know <laughs> don't worry about entering a code uh so that's my pick yeah, I mean, a lot of people theorize they're going to do this with the Mass Effect trilogy remaster, right? And it's like, oh, they kind of, they improved oh. one a little bit, but it would have been interesting just to have it as one big chunk thing and then just unify the combat between them. But I wonder if you need that, like, the change in combat to make, I don't know, make it feel a little bit less repetitive as you're going through these whole things. Like, and again, I would say this last week, to be clear, but, like, I think of Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, you know, it's like, if if they got all these games out in this generation then then for playstation 6 will they will they they're probably going to do the remaster version where it's all these games like would it be cool to unify the combat and like ui across all of them and squeeze them together or is part of the charm now the difference between rebirth and remake yeah did, did they ever yeah, bundle 13 games into one Ooh, sort of no i don't think so i really like deus ex a lot yeah like all of them even not invisible war so much but uh i think like human revolution and mankind divided would be really cool together yeah yeah because mankind divided was like unfinished kind of like there there's supposed to be more there the behind the scenes drama of that game is like really weird yeah but yeah i think if you combined both of them that'd be sweet mankind be divided cool games unified It'd be cool if there's a modern XCOM bundle where when you lost XCOM 1, XCOM 2 just started. Because that's... Oh, yeah! XCOM 2 is like canonically, you lost XCOM awesome. 1. And then oh, the most searched term on the internet that day is how to start XCOM 2 in this bundle because it's not on the main <laughs> menu. Uh, Dusty Beeman writes in, and this is why I like the community. They say, Ben, have you jumped out of a cake yet? And I know what he's talking about. Then he shares a link that apparently on the MinMax show uh, in May of 2021, um, I talked about how desperate I was at some point in my life to jump out of a cake. (laughs) And now we're at a point with MinMax was like, oh, that could be a new show plus option is just getting a cake big enough for me to technically jump out of with my clothes on, Kyle, you pervert. No, I'm not uh, a deep I'm not pandemic. You're not responsible for the things you said. <laughs> we all made mistakes in 2021. I get it. But I mean... Let ye who has not dreamt of the day of jumping out of a cake throw the first stone, right? I mean, it would be a better life for all of us at some point in our life we said surprise and jumped out of a cake, right? Can can people eat the cakes that people jump out of? Not mine. Mine's going to be arsenic. I think they're usually, (laughs) like, built around, like, you're in something, cake (laughs) is around it. They cheat. Although I will say, I so I forgot about this, but now that you mentioned it, I think... No, I had never thought about jumping out of a giant cake. And then you said it on the show and I was like, yeah, that does sound kind of fun. Yes. <laughs> yes. So fun. Okay, so new show plus we each and it is a little bit cheat. Right? We're going to have like a cardboard box and then make it look like a cake on the outside. And then so new show plus is us just getting the cakes ready on the count of three. We all jump out of the cake at no. the same time. No, you got to be an event. Be, you got to be yeah, able to eat it. It can't be a cardboard box. Okay. The, the show that Anyone you're voting jump for. Out of a box. The show that you're voting for should be called like just an hour stream of a cake. You know, <laughs> right. there's no, <laughs> no surprises. Hint. Yeah, it's just cake. Just look <laughs> at, at the, the 59 minute mark. You will not believe <laughs> <laughs> this cake isn't a lie. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, it would be funny, though, knowing our production values. I think it would be a cardboard box with like two cans of whipped cream sprayed on the top of it. Like, I don't know. This is a cake. What do you want from us? Leave us alone. Uh, 
Ellie Medina, Eli Medina, they write in saying, yo, what was the elusive game for you growing up that you just couldn't play for whatever reason? That's a broad question, but I like it. A game you couldn't play as a kid. Chrono Trigger. Ooh. Ooh Too adult answer. for you? I was a Genesis kid. Mm. I did not have Super Nintendo. And it was all because of Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat had blood on Sega Genesis. So I had an older brother and we loved Mortal Kombat. So we got Sega. And we had NES before. There was no like weird rivalry of like Sega. You know, it was just like <laughs> we could only afford one and Mortal Kombat had blood on that one. So do you ever wonder yeah. if you'd be a completely different type of gamer these days if you win oh Super Nintendo yeah. or Genesis? Like, yeah, because that led into Dreamcast and, and Sega had like Streets of Rage, which is one of my all time favorites. Right. Dreamcast had so many awesome games. Obviously, Shenmue. And, God, yeah. I wonder if you'd have the job Crazy. you have if you went Super Nintendo. Like, maybe you'd be less passionate about those games, Dude, and then that would spiral everything. The like, re- Honestly, the whole reason I wanted to get into video games was because I remember being at a supermarket, and a magazine had a close-up picture of the hands in Shenmue. And how the hands had like veins in them and how real it was. Yeah. And I was like, yo, I want to like write about this stuff. I want to do that. Oh, so who knows? It's, it's crazy to think about it. I never thought about that actually. Uh, my, my big thing when I was young is I had a Nintendo Power subscription. Yes. Um, and then I also would look at the back of boxes at like, you know, Toys R Us and stuff like that. And the thought in my head would always be like, wow, look at that level. I'm never going to see that. Like it, like it was just this impossible thing, especially yeah. in that era of like Super Nintendo and N64 when it was like you'd look at the back and it's like it's the level that's clearly too really far into the game. It's like, man, even if I rent this game, I'm never going to be good enough to get that far. Wow, I bet that would be so exciting to make it that far. And I would just have that thought like all the time looking at pictures of video games. I get it, man. A big one for me was um, I would spend a lot of time looking at the computer games at Target. My mom would, you know, go to Target for something. And I'd be set free in the computer games and I'd just look at the boxes. Um, Fable. Fable Ooh, had uh. the most appealing uh, CD-ROM box I had ever seen. It had all the promises about what Fable would be. I'm sure many of which were yeah. not accurate at all to the game. Um, and, and it was both, I, I think it was rated M, but also it was just one of those, like, my family computer would explode if I put this <laughs> disc in it, you know, like I just have no <laughs> capability of running it. And so it was always just a game where I, was, I would kind of think about it and be like the game where I don't know, you age in real time and you live out someone's entire life and all the different things that the Fable box promised. I mean, you had a better Fable experience than anybody who played Fable. No offense to I Fable so. or Fable fans, but like dreaming no, about what I that like could have been for years. That, Look, that first no doubt cool. it's good. I no like doubt it's good. But like, can you imagine just dreaming about the possibilities for the rest of your life instead of having it limited by actually playing that freaking game? Like, that's perfect. I can play so it you never, you never like made an effort to play the, the remake or anything like that? Fable. No, because then I learned what it was and I was like, yeah. oh, no, thank you. <laughs> I had a, I had a similar thing with Mist where I saw the Mist box yeah. and I did not realize that it like was not a full 3d game and so i was just like these are the most beautiful environments i've ever seen and then if i had got there and like realized that it was a a slideshow puzzle game i would have been <laughs> very disappointed I, man i don't know like as somebody who loved Miss back in the day like i got it and i was convinced it was the greatest game i've ever seen visually and even though it was you know just kind of glorious jpegs like it still it's blew funny. my freaking mind 
just knowing what mist is in sort of beyond the sort of uh slideshow element of it of like it does kind of feel like a jacob ass game like it really so dreamy and strange like you probably you should play the vr version where you can actually walk around the environment and stuff like that or or you should play that vr yeah probably better way to go but they did make there's some vr mini golf game where they license to have the world of mist in there and you can play mini golf oh, in so mist. Cool. Which what? Sounds, sounds like a better that. game that's to cool. be honest. Um, remember Isla telling me about Pissed? What what was that again? Excuse there was me, like sir? a weird wow. spin off like parody. Yeah. What and it released that, um, like in the 90s? That recent parody of oh uh gosh, yeah, released in October 1996, <laughs> a parody of the adventure game. <laughs> is it PYST? Yeah, PYST. Yes, the looker, Kyle. I got you. This is yeah, a parody of the witness. It was, it was like that, yeah. And like Redneck Rampage was kind of one of those too. <laughs> yeah, it was like a Doom clone, but you're a redneck. Yeah. Oh, this pissed box art is awesome. <laughs> it's just 100 <laughs> percent pissed. This sounds. I've great. heard of the, it. I've never seen the box the art. The basic concept of pissed was to show what Mist Island would look like after four million people had visited and explored. That's so, so like, good. Yeah. That's a good premise. Yeah, oh, like it says four million people have trashed the island. Now it's your turn. <laughs> That's like I think it'd be fun too. Like if you're New a developer of Miss, like our game was so <laughs> successful, now other developers are capitalizing on it in a very pal world of its era type of way except what if we're incorporating the sales of the game as punishment for the world of the game? That's the best thing in the world. Okay, hey, natural transition. Travis Fargo says humor is there any chance Suicide Squad will be amazing? What if everything they've shown of it so far was merely a ploy to set people's expectations <laughs> basement in hell level low only to release the best looter shooter ever made? There's always a chance, I say. There's always a chance. That's how I live my life. Um, the odds are definitely stacked against it. I'd say if anything has the potential to be really good, it's the story. Like the cutscenes we've seen yeah. are really good. The the previews are like, oh, the story's really good, but then you play it and just kind of whatever. So, yeah. I, I'm just, I've never been so worried about a game. All right, when, when you saw... <laughs> there's a chance. When you saw the trailer where they revealed that the Joker's coming back, but it's a Joker from the multiverse. He's going to be playable. What's your face? Can you recreate it for us, please? Okay, he's, he's <laughs> but grinning. But then I saw the gameplay, and I was like, oh, it actually looks kind of fun, actually. He's got, yeah. like, the weird umbrella, and he's, like, sliding around on it. I was like, all right, he actually looks... Kind of looks cool to play as, but yeah. I, I'm I'm so tired of like the multiverse premise. It feels so like, gross, and I I know I'm too deep in the weeds for this stuff, and I'm too much of a dork. But like, I don't want the word multiverse touching the Arkham canon. Same, and it's like, well, same. now Arkham is multiverse. No way to yeah. to separate those two again. They're all mixed together. You're 100. It's a gross idea. Um, Bob, Buell. we have to have the Joker. It's important. <laughs> Oh, Kyle, Every WB salesman. Time. I really appreciate it. My God. If, it's, if the Joker's not there, what are we even doing with ourselves? <laughs> That's true. Bob Buell writes in, they say, do you feel it in your soul when you're using a computer, you've copied something, but you haven't pasted it yet? <laughs> I get nervous. Yes, me too. I worry yeah. I'm going to get distracted and I'm going to lose this frag this fragment of whatever I'm working on forever. It's a weird feeling. Especially like editing video, like in the timeline, like, all right, I'm copying and pasting this. If I get distracted, I get a text before I paste it. Maybe I just forget to insert this chunk of the video for the rest of time. 
That's so interesting because I only feel that if you cut rather than copy. Like if you copy and you mess up, it's still there. You can just go copy it again. Well, I copy it, then delete it, and then I paste it because I like to live dangerously. <laughs> Uh, but Bob says, I was having a discussion with a coworker about this, and we both said we have this strange, indescribable feeling almost akin to, did I lock the door or did I leave the stove on in the back of our heads anytime we copy something but haven't pasted it yet? Like our body is reminding us that this info is floating in the ether and needs to be pasted. I do think it's it's weird that, yeah, the... The text is in like a liminal state, you know, where yeah. it's like it is it is neither where it came from nor where it's going. It's just yeah, out there. Yeah, I'm into it, baby. That's cut though. That's not copy. Okay, like, well he phrased the question I, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like if you copy it, like you you have a copy liminally, you know, out in the aether or whatever, but like it, it, when you cut, that's when it's like I've removed this and I'm holding it in my like little <laughs> digital hands right now, like a little baby bird. So I you need the copy cut combo to really feel the impact. Yeah, I just yeah yeah. High stakes. I say, uh, well, Pate Rion blew my mind by replying to this comment on Patreon. And they say, by the way, you can press the Windows key plus V to get a list of all the things you recently copied, which I had no idea was a thing, but that really is a game changer. Thank you. Is there a Mac equivalent to that? Uh, yeah, buy a PC. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> We're really into PCs here, Huber. It's the first thing you got to know about Minmax. Uh, Trent Weber writes in, and they say, as fans of the Oregon Trail, maybe I should have reached out to Minmax instead of, instead of one of my many hospital visits because I had ty- typhoid fever a couple of months ago, and I almost died from it due to several misdiagnoses. It's an infectious disease. Uh, An infectious disease doctor had to be called in before they figured it out. I'm all better now, just so you know. But I, like everyone else I've ever talked to, only knew about typhoid fever from the Oregon Trail and thought it did not exist anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I never would have guessed that exists. Is this like... Is this like an anti-vax thing coming back where it's like kids in school are catching typhoid fever because their parents aren't vaccinated? Could be. But Trent says, are there any things that you thought only existed in video games, but they turned out to be real? Uh, This is maybe embarrassing, but in Assassin's Creed 2, you could meet a a plague doctor. Oh, yeah. And it gives you the history of plague doctors. And I was like, I thought that mask was like a just a cool, scary yes. Halloween costume thing. Like, I didn't realize this is like a thing from history. It is uh, history's greatest that's costume. History too. That's a real thing. Yeah. Oh, that's a perfect example. Absolutely. So there when are... I first played Animal Crossing, there was uh, the first one. There were a couple of things like this. So like in the spring, they put a little windsock up and that's a thing that happens in the spring in Japan a lot. And I just I had never seen a little like fish shaped windsock before. So I was like. This is a weird game. This is just a weird thing they do is like put a fish in the air. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of like just very Japanese furniture pieces and stuff that I just I don't know. I was like, ah, that's creative. And then later was like, oh, no, that's just an extremely normal thing in Japan. Yeah. And the first time I went to Japan, like you go into a McDonald's or any restaurant and every chair is a froggy chair. It's just like the universal <laughs> furniture over there. It's pretty wild. Um, they're they're kind of this feels like it kind of doesn't count but like mythical creatures that i thought just a game came up with that then it turns out like are are things you know i'm thinking about um okami uh like in the game okami it's like the big original villain is orochi who's like a an eight-headed dragon and it's like Orochi is just like a myth that's been out there for thousands of years. But like Okami was the first place that I heard about it. And Okami has like several things like that that I just thought 
this game is super creative. And then I learned the game is creative, but also uh, these are from <laughs> with an asterisk. Not yeah. as much as you thought. Yeah. Huber, uh, your head exploded. Yes, three Eva's bike says like triumph on it. I just thought it was like a sick decal, but it's like an actual like motorcycle license thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I love Kojima's creativity. It's like, oh, it's just yeah. the brand team slapped it in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no one had soap shoes. So I thought that was a Sonic the Hedgehog thing for Sonic Adventure. I, di- I didn't know anyone with soap shoes. Soap. You know, the like. You do now, the... Kelsey. I freaking loved my soap yeah. shoes when I was in uh, <laughs> elementary and middle school. What are soap shoes? You could like grind on them. Oh, okay. Like a little divot. Like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. All right. I can feel those in my hand. I never owned them. I must <laughs> feel well, you I was rocking those LA gears. Mm, I get it. The lights. <laughs> uh, Andrew Burns has a scathing question that you can skip if you want to, everybody. Andrew Burns writes in and they say, what percentage of positive video game reviews end with some variation of, I look forward to playing more of this in the weeks to come. And what percentage of those reviewers do you think actually play more? Wait, like previews or reviews? reviews. Like it say it's like, oh, I'm going to keep coming back to this game forever. This sounds great. Oh, yeah. That percentage is probably pretty low. I, I'm going to go mean, with you. You burn out on, on a game Steam. and you review it. Yeah. Higher on Steam. Okay. Yeah, compared to like professional Steam stuff. They're like not professional reviewers. Oh. Yeah. Non-professional reviewers probably do maintain, yeah. keep playing. Yeah. It is tough because normally it's like, well, game reviewers get too much crap for just following an opinion out there. It's just an opinion, everybody. Um, but as somebody who's never written a game review, I do feel like, yeah, this is probably 10%. I feel like that's just something you say if you like a game, but then everyone always overestimates how much time they have in the future for everything. So the idea that people are going to be coming back to this stuff again and again and again, yeah, just edit that I mean, out. When I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm guilty of using that phrase probably a lot. Yeah. But I imagine for me, it, it, it comes from a place of genuinely like, I this they've laid an exciting sort of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, um, template here and i am excited to see what they're going to do with it next that doesn't necessarily mean i'm going to play it but i do want to see how it grows and right. what happens you know yeah uh super cerberus writes in they said the recent conversation around the last of us multiplayer game made me think does anyone else miss the days of tacked on multiplayer modes developers using mechanics from the campaign and creative ways to make an online component led to a lot of unexpected gems even if it felt like an obligation from the publisher in many cases i had hours of fun playing online in mass effect 3 uncharted 3 god of war ascension and the last of us back in the day and there's really no equivalent to those kinds of cool bespoke multiplayer modes in AAA games anymore i i do like this take like everyone sometimes i miss them yeah, because, you know, everyone at the time was like, oh, my God, I understand the publisher demands are tacking this on. Who's playing the multiplayer game in Arkham Origins or Dead Space yeah. 2, you know? But then it's like, you know, there were people that tried that and probably liked it. And it's probably a good experience for the developers as well, you know, just to get some more experience in that it's, arena. It's insane to think that people thought The Last of Us Factions was kind of tacked on. Like, a, I know so many people yeah. who just completely disregarded factions for the last of us a lot a lot of people i feel like this this is like a lot of nostalgic questions this is also like yearning for a different time period where it's like those those eras did not have i think the quite the ubiquitous multiplayers that that we have now you know it's like obviously call of duty fifa you know still had like 
huge online communities. But I think there was more space for people to be like, hey, I just bought Bioshock. I'm going to get my money's worth out of this by trying the multiplayer. And I think like I think they would just not get played even if they were included now. Yeah, because like everyone has the multiplayer shooter they go back to in a way that did not quite exist at that time. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I also feel like, too, if a game is going to do it, they would just make their own little spinoff version of it instead of like tacking it on to the the main game, maybe. Yeah. Or like to like just have sticks. like a separate yeah. product. Yeah. yeah, yeah probably, I'm wondering, yeah. you know, it'd be cool. I don't know who's, who would ever do it, but it'd be interesting. Maybe everybody's sick of these things by now with Sony's releases. But, you know, the idea of just kind of roguelikes as DLCs, it'd be interesting to have people go back and make roguelikes out of like older games, but like using the older game assets, like all the games that had like just, you know, waves of enemies, like horde mode or Give horde mode from Saints Row. Like, yeah. yeah. Or like, let's go back to Bioshock Good, infinite. Dude. Cause they added that like roguelike DLC, the cloud, whatever it's called battle in the clouds. Like, could you make the roguelike version of Bioshock infinite now? Like people would be into it just on a weird nostalgic level. Uh, but then again, those developers jumping back into that code, I'm sure they'd want to jump out a window. So who knows? Um, Patrick G writes in to say, Hey everyone, I saw Lily Gladstone, the actress for Killer of the Flower Moon, made a post in 2017 about how her high school superlative being most likely to win an Oscar. Uh, and she is the favorite this year. So it's a fun full circle for her. Uh, did any of you all have a senior superlative? I never heard it described. Is, is that a common phrase? Does everyone know what they're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, I just always knew it was the most likely thing to. Um, and if so, did you achieve your senior superlative? Did, um, I didn't. I didn't have one through like a yearbook, but I had a um, like a a history class where the teacher just gave all of us that's fine. like individual ones. Yeah. And mine, which I actually, my parents are cleaning out my childhood bedroom, and so I found the other day was. Um, most likely to speak at the White House Correspondence Dinner, uh, which, <laughs> you know, for, for me, for me in like 11th grade, I was like, hell yeah. Is that like, I'm trying to think of the timeline. Is that like after Colbert? It's after Colbert. Ooh, Colbert okay. was in like 2004. It was probably yeah. around, gosh, I don't know. It, yeah, but it was like, they were still, you know. They, they were still kind of funny because it was during yeah. like the Obama administration no, I, and not like, uh dude, I still love those. Like that is my favorite thing is White House Correspondence Centers. I adore them. And I, speaking of Colbert's, like that was such a big deal. I remember I bought Colbert's first book and speaking of developer commentary, he had the entire script for the White House Correspondence Center and then he made like his own notes and like critiqued his own speech, which oh, is such fun. a cool angle was for that, it. Was um, that... I am America and so can of you. Course, of course. I owned it as well. Yeah. And uh, Democracy in Action, John Stewart's one. You see yep. why I was voted to win this. I They're see. My I idols. totally get it. Yeah. Do you remember in Democ- – I think it's a Democracy in Action, the Daily Show book. But <laughs> there's one page where it's just – it was pin the clothes on the Supreme Court justices. Yes. And it was like cut I out guess. clothes and you like put it over like the naked versions of just like full yeah, frontal nudity for the Supreme Court justice. I just remember opening that page like Jesus Christ. Yeah. Those are great books. Um, okay, yeah, senior superlative. Uh, that's very impressive. I I didn't get one in the yearbook because how did it work? Not everyone gets one in the yearbook. Just some people did for like that's winning awards. That's why I was from my high school. Like I wasn't yeah. known enough within my high school to be 
eligible or voted for one so i didn't i didn't get one but it was like the awards show for your entire high school experience in a way like if you were nominated for this thing <laughs> you know, here's yeah here's the 10 people who mattered right <laughs> you're right. not one of them sorry <laughs> but yeah, so much. i remember i didn't get anything in the yearbook but we had like a school newspaper and in the newspaper's version um i won funniest person in the class and it was highlight of my life it was one of those things where i was like that's cool but it was kind of, but to be fair it they had like funniest guy and funniest girl uh in there because obviously they can't compete against each other you know that's it, not <laughs> fair um so i remember just having it was a nice bond too with like kayla powers and my grade to be like hey it's us we did it all that blather gone paid off but you keep in touch because that'd be a new show plus i actually yeah pop quiz are you still funny kayla is the name <laughs> of the show are you still funny? she was very funny uh, Kelsey, you got one? Uh, yeah, I was I was voted most artistic, which is very funny wow. because I do so nothing with art anymore. Like I I I don't publicly do anything artistic really. I think the the little Leo book from last year is maybe the most yeah. I've done. I was gonna say you just drew on a stream not too long ago and the entire internet said, Jesus Christ, you're a really good drawer, Kelsey. Why don't you do this more often? So that that counts. I just I I don't um Art was has never been a thing that I wanted to have a career in. It's just something I like to whip out when I'm feeling it. Yeah, yeah. But in high school, it's a lot more relevant because, like, you're in art class, mm-hmm. and you know. And I was taking art electives and stuff at the time, so. I think um, this is a very timely reference, but I think schools now they should just take the awards from like uh, Goldeneye matches at the end. It's like Kyle's most cowardly, most professional. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I want to see a big list of those. I'm going to read them off. Um, Most okay. deadly. <laughs> that, that, this seems inappropriate. Uh, Huber, question of the week. What made the show better? Uh, let me refresh your memory a little bit, but you can go any direction you want. Um, the one about the series sticking with the same director or creator or shaking it up every time. The elusive games from her childhoods. Things, things you, you thought, thought only existed. Yeah, yeah. Games yeah. returned to be real. What do you think made the show better? I like that director one. I do too. Correct choice. There we go. Tom Blackburn, congratulations. You just won the World of Warcraft vinyl from iMateBit. So thanks so much. Uh, And thanks everybody else who wrote in. Better luck next week. Uh, Now it's time for something that we call Get a Load of This. All right. Here we go, everybody. Um... I have a nice, simple, uh, dumb, breezy one. Get a lot of this. Um, there was on the Blank Check, my favorite podcast. I'm too obsessed with it. I understand that, like most of us are. But um, on the Blank Check podcast subreddit, they <laughs> pinned a tweet uh, from somebody named Mick Rib, And the tweet said, there's probably like eight Spielberg movies with such great titles that you could put Indiana Jones and the ahead of them and they'd already be better names than the dial of destiny or the great circle so the entire subreddit thread is just people trying to like <laughs> test that hypothesis which and is the very war fun. horse yeah and, 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 and the bridge of spies that sounds that freaking good. sweet just like a super good. localized like this is one bridge that indiana jones has indiana jones and the fable men's finally <laughs> <laughs> but it is and, a, indiana jones and ready player one <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the one that doesn't work. Actually. Okay, they're not all good. No, Indiana Jones and the Duel is pretty sweet. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Empire of the Sun feels like it probably could just be an Indiana Jones movie. Um, is that a Tintin book? <laughs> uh, somebody wrote, "Catch me if you can." Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones and Tintin. 
<laughs> yes, yes, there we go. That's one too. And the the winner in my mind, and I can't stop thinking about it. Somebody wrote Indiana Jones and the Color Purple. <laughs> Which is a sweet <laughs> movie that I would like to watch. Just a weird abstract conceptual thing. It's him That's falling really into his own brain. I got a, a quick one. Uh, this is one to shout out, you know, links below in the description because it's it's a YouTube video to go watch. It's short. It's like a minute and a half and it's from this account called um, Parametric Avocado. And I, I, it's a little hard to describe, so forgive me. But if you can imagine someone speed running the original Metal Gear Solid, they basically took a bunch of assets from Metal Gear Solid and did their own animations, and they made this like a minute and a half short of Snake ripping through Shadow Moses at, at full speed right. and like completing every objective and like taking out bosses in one hit. And it's 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 really fun and silly. And um Snake just has this like funny jaunt as he's just going through like Shadow Moses, like throwing grenades over his shoulder and like <laughs> killing bosses. It's it's really cool. And I it really I, I saw it on TikTok originally and it just like captured my imagination in a fun way. I was like, oh, my God, this is for a Metal Gear Solid fan. Like this is this is really fun to watch. That's sweet. Uh, get a load of this um, at the Emmys a couple weeks ago last week. Um uh, Sarah Snook, who played Shiv on Succession, won, and uh, very deservedly. Uh, afterwards, there was this little, like, HBO photo booth where she was, like, posing with the Emmy, and someone said, this looks like the animation after you win a Smash Bros. match. <laughs> and so then someone did did the whole thing with, like, the musical cue and the effects <laughs> of what That's it would awesome. look like for Snare Snook to win a Smash Brothers match. Perfect. There's links below for all this stuff. Uh, from the community... Yeah, sorry, that was a beautiful O on Twitter. Did oh, that, nice. just to give them credit. Yeah. Um, in the same vein, uh, there's a get a load of this channel in the MinMax Discord, which is the greatest news feed and cleanest news feed you could imagine. I love it. Um, and Pseudosis in the community shared a link which was the Godzilla minus one team uh, that you get to see their raw reaction to when they were nominated for a VFX Oscar. And it is so sweet just to see them. They feel like the ultimate underdogs ironically for a huge Godzilla, uh, but they just lose their minds when they see it. And it's, it's always fun to watch those videos. There's a link below for that. Um, get a load of this. There is a YouTube video from the ZZAZZ glitch um, called dumping the rom of a gba game by crashing it and uh he explains it pretty technically well in in the video um it's a pretty short video basically if you crash a game it starts emitting some sounds if you turn those sounds back into bytes that's just the rom you can just put that back in and get the entire game boy game uh through the crash sound so there's a really good comment uh on this to explain this a little bit better um, from uh, Kona Kona Kabitsaru, who says this whole thing feels like watching someone reproduce a perfect replica of the food they ate via throwing it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Do you got one, Huber? Yeah, get a load of this. I heard Ben Hansen doesn't like Doom. <laughs> oh, hang on. Whoa. That was an off-the-record conversation, Huber. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we went and got some drinks and dinner uh, in L.A. with Janet and Huber because uh, I was there for uh, an event. And, yeah, I think we are talking. I don't know how it came up. Like I'm losing sleep over this, dude. <laughs> To be clear, we've talked about it before. I respect the hell out of Doom. <laughs> I just, any game that is just the, 
well, look, I know this is simplistic, but just games that focus on gore, like, isn't it sweet? I know this is your cup of tea, Huber, so forgive me, but games are like, oh, rip and tear, sweet, rip his head open, this is the best. Like, I just, that has never interested me at all, except for Mortal Kombat story modes. I love nice. a lot. But if I could Fatalities. turn- Fatalities. Yeah, but if I could turn gore off, I would. I understand that's sacrilegious for Mortal Kombat, but- yeah, so I think we're talking about that over dinner, and Janet's like, you need to say this crap on the podcast more. People think your Jews love everything. You gotta say what you don't like, but... Yeah, do them. Uh. I'm sorry to call you out. <laughs> no, I'm losing sleep over this. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, I love it. Uh, let's see. That is it for this episode of The MinMax Show. Uh, Huber, thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, Trivia Tower coming up Monday, uh, the 29th at 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Pacific. Um, so if you want to jump in and compete in game trivia and help support Huber hosting Trivia Tower, you can jump into the $2 tier, patreon.com slash midmax with two wins. Um, anything without revealing anything you want to tease or talk about with Trivia Tower, Huber? It's a tough one, right? It's going to be chaotic jolliness. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Now, again, yeah. last time Bossman was uh, the co-host, like guest co-host, he came up with like five different categories and a lot of them were very good. And so like, was he as creatively inputative this time around? He did have some and we're going to use one of his creations for one of the rounds. Okay. The rest were unusable? Uh, not unusable, but I was <laughs> okay. like in, I wasn't as into them. No, <laughs> okay. No, yeah. Well, just because I, I had already like kind of started the, a lot of the groundwork on. Yep. A lot of the OG. Got to build it up. I totally get yeah. it. So, but then one of them was like too good to pass up. I really like it. That's sweet. Uh, and if you support us on Patreon, you can also unlock bonus pod uh, at the five dollar tier. That is the weekly extra show hosted by Haley McLean. She calls it the companion show to the Minmax show. It's like, oh, that's a that's a beautiful way of looking at it. And this week's episode is is a great one to jump in on because it's Haley, who's a video game IP lawyer, yeah, unpacking the the state of PAL world, uh, misconceptions about fair use, all that fun stuff, and then also uh, Charles Hart. Um, the associate editor from Game Informer is going to be helping out with some video production stuff here at MinMax in 2024. He's on the episode as well because he reviewed uh, the Apollo Justice trilogy. And so if you want to hear a big review discussion about Apollo Justice and Ace Attorney and all that fun stuff, you can check out Bonus Pod for that full discussion. But again, it's fun to have Haley, the lawyer, just really leaning into her element in this one episode. But uh, Kyle, you have something you want to plug? Oh, yeah, just a quick uh, Game Informer plug. Uh, we're, uh, we're giving away a pair of final fantasy 7 rebirth gold issues sweet um so there's a story on the site we're soliciting like like uh feedback like you know like the the letters and messages we get that go in the magazine yeah uh like we we're looking for that so like there's a form there's a story on the site and uh over like in two or three weeks i'm not sure the exact date it'll be on the story I'll, i'll i'll grab two random folks to send uh gold game informer gold issues to which are like the higher quality magazine that we really only do giveaways and charity auctions is like yeah. the only thing the only way we give those away and so. they go for like 800 bucks during that charity auction so yeah getting yeah. a rebirth issue just by submitting comments into a magazine yeah that's pretty sweet yeah let's check it out uh, and huber i don't want to tell you what to do with your life but if you've never been in a game informer magazine it's kind of a cool idea that you can just send an email to feedback and you could technically be printed in a game informer magazine that is awesome. It's a cool idea. I've read Game Informer for a very long time. Oh, that's sweet. Um, <laughs> well, hey, Huber, thanks again for joining us. Anything you want to plug other than Easy Allies podcast and the Patreon over there? But you can go into more detail than I can about no, it. No, just, uh, just Trivia's Hire Monday. 
come on in, hop in, hop over. <laughs> whatever, whatever there that. we go. Check it out. You can hear more of Huber, obviously, on the Easy Allies podcast and all the other shows they got going on over there. But thank you to everybody for watching, listening, especially thank you to everybody at the $50 tier, the game champion tier. You can choose any game under the sun. We declare you the champion. And oof, Whole Ham Damley is the champion of Super Smash Brothers Melee. Bold choice. Michael Berry is the champion of Tokyo Jungle. The champion of Freeder, Freedom Fri- Freedom Freister. Freedom Fighter is Rabid Lime. And Joshua Ayers is the champion of Marvel's Midnight Suns. And Trampoline Tales is the champion of the game Luck Be a Landlord. And just one more because it's really fun. Jake Stanley. They are officially, don't forget this, the champion of Hell's Kitchen. The game for the Wii based on the TV show. So no one else claimed that one. That is is Jake Stanley's. All right, that's it. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks again, Huber. Until next time, be good, have fun, let's go. Let's go.